Hi, I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor, and welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and, in essence, catch up on our cinema! So it is the month of November 2022, uh, and this month uh, we're going to be doing a little event month that we're going to be calling No Nut November! Yeah. Now, Kyle, <laughs> you were the one responsible for coming up with both the title and the concept this yes. month. Would you care to explain to our dear listeners just what the fuck is No Nut November? Uh, yes, Trevor. Uh, no Nut November is where we're going to be taking a deep dive into the sexual thrillers of the late 80s and early 90s. Uh, I tried to keep it into the 90s, but I think you're right. We had to start with the 80s, but... Uh, sexual thrillers were something that you and I grew up with, um, most kids in the 90s. Uh, these, especially for adolescent boys, these movies were treasures. These were very important uh, because you got a glimpse into adult themes and activities that were otherwise inaccessible to you uh, because we did not grow up with the internet. Um, so I thought it'd be interesting to go back and watch some of these movies that I've seen pieces of. Uh, as a kid and watch them as an adult and actually see what the movie was uh yeah that i and to full disclosure i pitched this as a joke like <laughs> i was just coming up like no nut november and I'm like oh what's a theme for that i'm like sexual thrillers that's something we've talked about but this did start as a joke but you're like actually that's not a terrible idea it'd be kind of interesting to go back yes no no ejaculation month of november <laughs> I didn't shake on that. In case somebody out there could didn't understand, like I, it, it's an American colloquialism, Kyle. Yeah. We may have foreign listeners that don't get it. Yeah, yeah, that's what no no. It, yeah, it's something that started in the the tens or something. I think the Proud Boys might have done something about it in like 2017. Um, but yeah, it's it's basically a joke. I don't think anybody actually does it. It's just a joke. No, no. We're, we're absolutely not going to be abiding by that, but um, yeah, this is absolutely not. I've got a life, dude. i got to go to work. I can't be doing that. I got stress, motherfucker. Did you ever see that movie 30 Days and 30 Nights where Josh Harnett has to go 30 Days and 30 Nights without ejaculating? He cannot have sex. He cannot do anything. And I, I had seen commercials for that back in the day, but I didn't actually know that's what it was about. It's not good, but... There is a point in that movie where he gets, like, weird and fidgety. It's pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> is that the No Sex for Lent movie? Uh, yeah, I think he's, his brother is, like, a priest or something, and Josh Harnett is literally, like, in real life and in that movie just slaying. And he's just like, you gotta, you gotta stop for a little bit. See if you can do it. I bet you can't. Uh, spoiler, he doesn't make it. I'm not positive if that's the movie, but uh, I'll never forget there was a, a trailer for some teen boob comedy back in the day, and probably early 2000s, late 90s or something, that uses that phrase, no sex for Lent. And I, I'll never forget that because that's where I learned the, the word Lent. Like, I oh. like It was the first time I ever heard it. So gotcha. I learned something from a boob comedy. Go figure. <laughs> but speaking of boobers, uh, yeah, erotic thrillers. Um, kids out there, uh, you may or may not uh, hold much value. Uh, in regards to this particular genre, <laughs> uh, people under the age of twenty-eight. Let's let's be clear. People under the age of twenty-eight, not kids. <laughs> people under the age of but, twenty-eight. 
yeah these were the movies that back in the day you know like you'd rent it from the video store or whatever and then you get to certain parts you get to the fuck scenes and the video gets all scratchy it's mm-hmm. like why? How? Why would that? Be? Well, you know, VHS. Yeah, tapes. Tapes, not digital media. Uh, they acquire uh, flaws uh, when they are rewound and played back uh, uh-huh. in, rap- in rapid succession. <laughs> so do the fucking math. Uh, but yeah, these were the movies that you know you you were really really lucky uh for lack of a better term uh to get to watch back in the day these were the movies that you'd like see commercials for and you'd file away in your prepubescent mm-hmm. brain it's like oh i'm gonna get to that later oh no my, <laughs> my parents would rent videos and then they'd be like turn your heads kids i'm like okay wait till you guys go to sleep i'm coming back down here to see what that was and i did yeah <laughs> Yeah, we we all did, Kyle. But I'll, I'll never forget uh, our our VHS tape for uh, Terminator Two, uh, Judgment Day. Uh, had a- <laughs> <laughs> Where is this going, Trevor? <laughs> it uh, it had a trailer for Basic Instinct, potentially a stay tuned for later this month. Um, and I'll never forget. I was I was you know well before the age where such things were important to me. But you better fucking believe that I was like. I'm going to see this movie, mm-hmm. and I, I I can't exactly explain why, but I'm pretty sure it's going to blow my fucking mind. <laughs> that film blew America's mind. It was a cultural phenomenon. Whew. I mean, leave it to the Dutch, man. Like a Dutch filmmaker directing an erotic thriller with Whew. American Hollywood money backing him. <clears throat> with a That's some good s- cinema. <laughs> moke show, Sharon Stone. I mean, my God. You couldn't, you couldn't pick a better person for that. My God. My God. <laughs> Yeah, the sweatiest interrogation room there ever was. Dude, we got to move forward. We're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna start. <laughs> we're, we're in the, we're already we're in, in the weeds. We talk about shit. <laughs> uh, so yeah, the erotic thriller uh, is a genre that, uh, for a time, was probably one of the most bankable mm-hmm. uh, in Hollywood cinema. And it needs to be said right up, right at the top, uh, we are narrowing the focus to exclusively American. Uh, erotic thrillers yes. again from the late 80s to the mid 90s uh just because it simplifies things uh keeps things keeps things more streamlined yeah uh, because you know european cinema european fuck cinema they're they're so far ahead of us they've been yeah. ahead of us for decades yes. Yes. <laughs> it's a totally different game it's, it's like it's like south korea and your esports it's like dude that was a profession in 1998 over there we're only just now getting to it. see i don't usually buy american criterion releases it's generally foreign films that i'm going for a lot of a lot of european fuck films in your criterion collection i actually do uh i do have a it's <laughs> i do have a one i have one in there yes <laughs> okay just to confirm but yeah but yeah, we're going to be talking about American erotic thrillers. And actually, like Kyle had said, I was the one who kind of nudged things and said, I know doing just 90s erotic thrillers is really cozy because both Kyle and I, you know, lived through that. We're most familiar with that. But then I, I looked at the the calendar and kind of just the, the arc of the trend in general. And I was like, you know, you can trace back like the success and like the origins of most of these to a certain film in particular, which is what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, that would be uh, Fatal Attraction from the mm-hmm. year 1987. Michael Douglas made an entire phase of his career off of the success of this film. I had to explain to my wife one what the sexual thriller was, and two Michael Douglas because this was his this was his thing. 
was the sexual thriller. I forgot to throw in uh, Perfect Murder as well, uh, another one of the Michael Douglas sexual thrillers. Yes. No, he has at least a half dozen of them, and all of them were huge profile films. They like These These were movies that were backed with studio money and were packed with you know the stars of the mm-hmm. time. These were big deal fucking movies, and this is kind of... Like where the genre really came to prominence, sure there were there are erotic movies with some thrills in them well prior to this film, um, but it's kind of like the big one that made it into like a, a mainstream blockbuster success. But just to like bonify this discussion just a little bit, I'll just point out that I did do a few <laughs> minutes of research here <laughs> and just point out that you know Brian De Palma had been this was old hat for him by 1987 like ryan de palma can't touch something without having some boobers and Mm -hmm. some violence in it it's it's just his mo so we're well aware that he you know already made many many contributions to the genre prior to this we decided to not specifically not go with de palma Uh, i don't have a huge experience with his filmography i think i've seen maybe two of his films but from what i understand his take on uh sexuality is a little darker um, and that's not really something that we want to discuss on here. But, yes, you were saying about... Yeah, I mean, we, we've talked about him before. Brad and I did uh, Snake Eyes, but that's a far tamer effort. Like, uh, if you look at the like some other entries in his f- filmography, in particular earlier stuff. But also, I think you mentioned Nine and a Half Weeks. Didn't you yeah. say, like, the, ra- the ratio of the eroticism to the thrills is a little off-kilter in that one? Yeah, should we talk about the director... I feel like it's very important that we, we we talk about the director because I feel like he is in a very important part of this genre because he single-handedly uh, defined this genre because his other hand was beating his dick. Um, but nine and, <laughs> nine and a Half Weeks was a movie that, a uh, little anecdote, my my family uh, would get together with like my aunt, aunt and uncle, and they my, my, my stepmother has like three sisters, so hang out with them, have car, like play cards and stuff, and one night, uh, they'd heard about this movie nine and a half weeks uh, that they were going to sit down and watch, uh, except they got the, the name wrong, it wasn't nine and a half weeks, it was nine months with Gillian Moore, which was a 90s film, which is like a rom-com kind of thing, and they sat down and watched nine and a half weeks, and they were not expecting whatever it is. Uh, it doesn't seem like it's got gratuitous nudity, but like it's not excessive, but apparently it is a fuck film, and it's like a like more of a drama romance, and I think that was 85, 86 when that came out, and that's this director. So I think that kind of is what got this going, but I think this film is what sparked the trend, uh, Fatal, Fatal Attraction. Uh, but he also did Lo, uh, the Lolita remake with uh, Jeremy Irons and Dominique Swain. Uh, he did Indecent Proposal, which is one I pitched to you, but you're like, let's do Fatal Attraction. I think that'd be a better one to go with. Uh, and then he did Unfaithful, which is probably the classiest of these, I would have to say. Yeah, I think I saw that one a long mm-hmm. time ago. I barely remember yeah. it. I, I only have the haziest of silhouettes in my mind as to what it was. But yeah, I, I would agree with that assessment. But Kyle is absolutely right. Uh, this fella, uh, Adrian Lyon, or Lynn, um, I believe he's a, he's a Brit. Um, I think he actually got a uh, Best Directing nomination at the Oscars for this film, Fatal oh, Attraction. Nice. Um, and I, I can see that. Um, this is a exceedingly well-made film, um, regardless of whether the content works for you or not as a viewer. Uh, just looking at it is a joy. Um, mm-hmm. It's 
it has some wonderful lighting and cinematography great performances overall uh but again like i could totally see the narrative just not clicking for some people or maybe some of the quieter moments of it a little bit boring but i i you know i'll just full disclosure just say i I like this movie Mm -hmm. um in particular i loved looking at it um so yeah this guy's got some fucking talent but yeah uh, his resume is just littered (laughs) with with exactly this particular subgenre of film um, so I think it's very appropriate that we start with Fatal Attraction um, and just kind of like explore the trend uh, because it, it, it was a, a huge like kind of pillar of the Hollywood film industry for a, a very long time. But in more recent days, uh, it's kind of fallen out of favor. Like you don't see a whole lot of these movies getting made to the point that like whenever one of them, whenever one of them gets made, uh, people kind of their ears perk up a little bit where it's like that's a name i've not heard since (laughs) like like it's it's one of those particular genres these days where it's like it still exists but in terms of volume we don't get a whole lot of these to this day but um, we'll point out this very director actually made an erotic thriller this fucking year Mm -hmm. (laughs) um deep water with a ben affleck and ana de armas that you can find on i think it's hulu right now um, I had no idea. Uh, I had not seen Fatal Attraction when we when we decided to do No Nut November, uh, so this was a first time watch for me. But as soon as I pulled up this guy's filmography, I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me? He's still at it! <laughs> like mm-hmm. he basically gave gave birth to the mainstream erotic thriller, at, at least in Hollywood, and he's still fucking doing it." <laughs> Jesus Christ! Well, I mean, uh, it. The movies that he's done all address kind of different taboos. Like this is, you know, uh, a uh, a father and a husband who's a loving father and husband who seems to very much love his family unit who steps out and it just goes it goes bad for him. Uh, Lolita, that is a a a professor who ends up getting a, a crush on a minor, a girl who's like seventeen, I think. Indecent proposals, like I think a millionaire proposes this guy. Cuck, he's basically a cuck. Like he's has some dude want to bang his wife, and then unfaithful. I think she's just cheating on him, and that's kind of the thing. But yeah, they all address some kind of taboo, and they're also a little titillating along the way. <laughs> it's kind of what he does. It's important for art to explore that, especially mainstream art, because mm-hmm. as as was proven by things like you know twilight and 50 shades of gray and stuff there is a market for that like yeah. pe- people are into touching naughty things even if even if you know in their real daily lives they actually would never do such things they are almost everybody's at least a little bit curious and mm-hmm. you know art and film is is a safe way to explore those things so this guy's been this guy's doing the lord's work mm-hmm. <laughs> um do you want to talk about the cast real quick absolutely yeah, so uh, we got Michael Douglas playing Dan. Uh, he is Michael Douglas is in his prime, uh, just starting his prime. He's got a good 10, ten year window where he's going to basically fuck his way through Hollywood. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny too. Like, sorry to cut you off, yeah, but yeah. I did notice. Like, I feel like he uh, he got a little like Sylvester Stallone in him after this film, where you, like I know the Rocky movies don't mean as much to you as they do to me. But like, if you just look at like Sylvester Stallone, the progression of his physique mm-hmm. uh, through his filmography, it's like he was a little, he was a little soft in, in Rocky in 1976. He was a little soft. Rocky two, okay, he's starting to get a little cut. Rocky three, it's like Jesus fucking Christ. And then Rocky four is like, 
whoa, buddy, <laughs> like, I don't want to know what your farts smell like. <laughs> you could probably peel paint with that shit, but uh, <laughs> protein farts, man, they're killer. Yeah. But in Michael Douglas's case, like, I could be wrong on this, but I want to say by the time we get to, like, 1992 and he's rolling around in the sheets with Sharon Stone, he firmed up a little bit. Yeah, like, he's he, got... He, 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 committed, he committed to putting away, you know, the... the the whole wheat bread and putting away the cereal in the mornings. He's like, I think I'm just going to have egg whites. <laughs> uh, yeah. As I say, he's got a little bit of a, a little bit of a droopy chin in this, just a little bit, but not, just a little bit. A little bit. So, I think he's supposed to be kind of an ordinary guy in this. Whereas in basic instinct, he's, he's a hot shot. He's, he's got a dick made of fire. <laughs> Uh, his wife is played by Ann Archer, uh, who's Beth. The only other thing I've seen her in is she plays Dee and Dennis's mom on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and she's funny on there. She's only in there, I think, maybe one or two episodes. Uh, very funny. But uh, that's his wife in this movie. Uh, I'm going to go ahead because I'm going to save the best for last. Um, the little girl is Ella Latson, uh, Ellen Gallagher. She is Ruby Sue from Christmas Vacation. Uh She's, I think she's really good in this. I was surprised that was her. A couple of people I want to point out real quick. Uh, Jane Krakowski plays the babysitter, Jenna Maroney. Uh, And then the the dad from Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves, Stuart Pankin. And then the guy from Men in Black who gets his neck stabbed. Uh, I didn't know where this movie was taking place because the opening shot didn't really was confusing to me i didn't understand what that was but after i started seeing some of the character actors i'm like oh we're in new york i know where we're at yeah um but uh last but definitely not least glenn close uh who pretty much knocks it out of the park every time you see her in a movie and this movie is no exception literally every time she does a movie it's Mm -hmm. like okay excellent Uh, (laughs) it's like anybody have an answer for that Uh, i didn't think so um I believe she's one of those actresses that has yet no to get Oscar. An Oscar. No Oscar. No Oscar. But she like every time she steps to the plate, it's in the to- it's in talks. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that is unfortunate. But yeah, Glenn Close is a treasure. Um, mm-hmm. and this is you know fairly early in her filmography, as far as I know. And yeah, uh, she fucking kills this. She takes it very seriously. And uh, I was telling Kyle that this movie, from an expositional standpoint shot it it skirts around doing a lot of things that i would find to be tiresome like like we don't get much insight into who she is or where she comes from but you don't need it when the performance is this good exactly you don't you don't find yourself asking those questions when every time she's on screen she's giving you this much Mm -hmm. Uh, this is i mean excellently performed film pretty much from everybody top to bottom but her in particular she kind of steals the show Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, do you want to jump in? Talk about it? See what's... Okay. Yeah, let's fucking talk. Let's talk. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so we get, like I said, we get Michael Douglas. Uh, or we get, like, an establishing shot. I'm guessing this is rooftops in New York. I couldn't tell. It looked like a bunch of water towers, but I don't know what the fuck these things are. It's very confusing to me. Uh, air pollution's a hell of a thing, Kyle. Well, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's called... It's haze. Uh, we get a sunset skyline. Mm-hmm. Uh, an ambient city sounds to start the film with our credits uh and as soon as i heard the the ambient sound of the television i was like well i know we're on the east coast uh, mm-hmm. because somebody uses the word water i am from seattle the pacific northwest and it comes out water i was like ah I, I, I know roughly where we are <laughs> i was listening to uh oral arguments from uh, in front of the supreme court and 
uh, I forgot that some of the justices are from New York because they were like, what about the water? The water in this, what's the water? And it, every time, I think it was Sotomayor, I'm like, ah, oh, she keeps saying water. It's driving me nuts. Uh, but yeah, uh, we get this, um, get a nice little lovely family unit. Uh, Michael Douglas is a busy lawyer doing some night work with his headphones on while his kid is just banging stuff and watching TV. I think mom's just getting getting ready and doing stuff around the house. Um, he gets a phone call, chats, but you can tell it's like it's a nice little family unit, but they're very he's very busy. He's a very busy guy. Yeah, he's very very busy and this uh, this is a lovely scene of domesticity. Just yes. like a, the family unit in its element, like everybody's in their element and very cozy. Everybody's splayed out around the house, which isn't like a particularly well-kempt apartment or anything. Like it's it's lived in. Yeah. Like the kids having fun sitting on the couch next to dad. There's a happy yellow dog. Mm-hmm. Always love seeing oh, Quincy. them. Quincy. Quincy. Quincy's, Quincy's oh, lovely. He Quincy. is <laughs> He is excellent. Uh, I was so pissed at him at one part in this movie because I'm like, you left him all night by himself? Oh, I was angry. Yep. I have it in my notes too when Quincy's by the door. It's like, oh, so sad. Mm. Um I did love uh, Michael Douglas. Uh, he gets a phone call and he steps on some Legos or some shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that that completes the picture where it's like, yes, this is a part of being a parent in a small home. Yeah, work, <laughs> working in his underwear. Um, but yeah, they're, they're going out tonight. They've got to go to a, uh, I guess, a big dinner. Um, there's only really two scenes where we get a bunch of people, but... I, it was very, very crowded in this big party that they're in. I'm talking like like the camera's kind of at like a... It's kind of looking up at people, and it's just... You're right in the mix, and it's just like shoulder to shoulder, just bumpers, like just bumping into everybody. Um, and the other scene that's really crowded is the dance floor scene. Is that just supposed to kind of like, this is New York? This is just supposed to kind of show like how the stuff goes? Yeah, it might be a little bit of that, just the hustle and bustle of city mm-hmm. life. And also remember... Uh, this is before we're aware that they have plans to move to the country, mm-hmm. um, which is totally removed from this sort of energy. Um, so it's never mentioned that this this is unwelcome to these people. Um, but I think it's just meant to emphasize that this is fucking New York. Like, mm-hmm. this is how this shit goes down. Um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> I like I like before they go out, the, the kid overhears them, one of them say the word shit and just mm-hmm. like shit, paces down the hallway. Shit, 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 shit. Yeah, shit. <laughs> And then the babysitter, who, Jane Krakowski, why do I know that name? Jenna, Jenna Maroney. Uh, she's from 30 Rock, Jenna Maroney for 30 Rock. She's in Allie McBeal. Uh, da, 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 da. She's the original uh, cousin Vicky from the first Vacation movie. Uh, she's a pretty blonde lady, no lips whatsoever. Okay, I, I, I just pulled up her face. Okay. Um, I the name rang a bell but the face uh, i she's in a lot of things that i'm not familiar with but i i know her because she's also like a commercial spokesperson you should you should um, wa- you should definitely watch 30 rock if you've never watched 30 rock i know i know oh, you, you tell buddy. me you tell me all the time and i know i would love it i i you know say what you will about him as a person i do find alec baldwin to be fucking oh, hilarious it, and, and tina fey is awesome some of the best comedy writing in sitcom history uh i know i know somebody pointed somebody had like a tweet it's like for some people's uh, career highs is just being a a guest star on 30 rock for one episode i'm like yeah they're absolutely right um but yeah we got this big ass party and uh this is a, a nakatomi plaza party. yeah da- thank no, you straight up thank you yeah. <laughs> 
um, there's a there's a book. There's a Japanese. It's like a Japanese cookbook that's going on. Uh, we learn that not necessarily in this scene, but we'll just go ahead and say it now. It's not. We don't need to bury the lead here. Yeah. This is a. So he is a lawyer who represents um, a publisher, which is really funny listening to him do lawyer talk with these people about publishing, which is not something I. It's not something I would have ever thought about, but this would have definitely been more relevant in the 80s. Uh, publishing book writing was uh, a much bigger deal in cinema <laughs> than it is today. Oh, absolutely. Um, and also a fun little uh, cultural artifact, I guess, for any of the kids out there that might be listening. Uh, in the late 80s, uh, there was a, a fair amount of xenophobia uh, surrounding Japanese corporate types, uh, <laughs> yes, in, invading the world, essentially, <laughs> via you know corporations and not military and whatnot. Um, so this was a common thing to see. Uh, in a lot of films from this era i mean they even like they don't get into they don't get into it in die hard but it's there it's like there's a reason the company that this whole thing is based around is a japanese company based in like with a building in la Uh, there were a lot of movies that delved right headlong into this sort of territory but it's just like one of those things that if you weren't around it you it would it wouldn't register you to you like why this is a thing like why is this here um, but yeah, uh, the book is <laughs> Samurai Self Help, by the way. <laughs> there you go. Self Help um, Books. Yeah. Uh, we, we make some naughty jokes at the party. Uh, we meet Jimmy, uh, mm-hmm. who's played by Stuart Pankin. He's essentially Michael Douglas's only friend. Uh, <laughs> um, I know him from many things, but like uh, Arachnophobia, he has a small role in as like a the town deputy or something and he's he's great he's a he's a great comedic presence in pretty much anything he's in i was gonna say he's very much like just a couple of scenes in a movie like he's yeah he, he's big big character actor um yeah I, he was in congo also uh yes <laughs> uh congo is a stay tuned man i would love to talk about congo someday actually um i just i Full, full disclosure i actually got in the, the the swing of things like i was like you know i just watched fatal attraction for the first time i want to keep this train a rolling like i'm gonna do i'm gonna do extra credit because we're not going to be talking about uh this movie uh, as part of the event month no not november um but i took it upon myself to watch uh the michael douglas headlined disclosure oh from the year 1994 which is not very good um but it's a it's apparently based on a Michael Crichton story, and mm. I think Michael Crichton movie month is a that's a stay tuned maybe because mm. that was also Congo and he also did a lot of other schlock outside of Jurassic Park um, that might be fun not good but fun. fun and also I will point out disclosure gets brownie points in my book because it is legitimately shot in my hometown mm. like it is actually filmed in Seattle not Vancouver. Like, like there are scenes on Bainbridge Island. There are tons of scenes in, Pi- in Pioneer Square and, oh, and they the let, downtown area by Westlake. They led them on to Bainbridge? Shocking. Um, <laughs> uh, I was going to say, disclosure. Oh, fuck, I was going to say something. Uh, I lost it. Never mind. It's okay. It wasn't oh. important. Oh, well. well um, Glenn Close arrives. Yes, Glenn Close <laughs> arrives. Uh, I think uh, she has, like, a moment. She has, like, a, an eye moment with Michael Douglas and then... Uh, Jimmy says something crude or like just trying to get her attention. She's like, she just gives him a look and walks away. Um, was Glenn Close considered a hottie in the 80s? 
She must have been. Okay. Um, I mean, I'm... like, if you look at her styling, like, like her her particular look is, I mean, she's Glenn Close. Exactly. Like, she's yeah. kind of her own thing. Like, exactly. She's, a, she's her own person. Like, the, she's not an archetype by any means. No. Um, but like her styling, like the way her attire and her hairdo in particular, mm-hmm. um, made me think of a lot of actresses that were contemporary to this like uh, kyle let's take a second here can we think of okay. like some other actresses that maybe had this look uh elizabeth Cause, shoe because like there were like well elizabeth shoe actually is a good guess um actually daryl hannah was the uh, one that came to my yeah, mind because yeah. um, i'm thinking wall street uh m- most definitely wall street maybe a little bit of splash but in particular her very small role in wall street um just particular kind of hairdo and like in particular like the shoulder pad heavy attire mm-hmm. and god i have family photos where it's like mom oh what the fuck were you doing definitely, <laughs> my, my grandmother definitely fell victim to the shoulder pads my mom never did i don't think there's any shoulder pads for my mom but my grandmother certainly did uh and archer uh she is a full-blown smoke show and i even love her 80s hair in this like i think she's just great looking and it really makes it even more frustrating <laughs> because of this character of Dan. Yeah, Dan. <laughs> he looks like Fuck. Dan. He looks like a <laughs> Dan. Uh, yeah. So they they have a little moment, and Dan goes over to the bar, and they have a little talk. Um, they just little introduce each other. There's definitely some definitely some energy coming from her, and he's reciprocating, but almost in a professional way, like just you know just casual. Um, keeping that that distance, flirting, nothing, nothing crazy here. Um, but I think they go back home. I think he's got to do some more work. He's got to do a little night work again. He's got to walk the doggo. Yeah, but he's got to take the dog out. Comes back in, and oh no, he was wanting to get stuff going. Kids in the bed. Womp yep. womp. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Small details that you know actually carry importance in terms of introduction like introducing the mm-hmm. the plot threads here where it's like you know frustrations like this lead to people making poor decisions down the line but also small details like walking the dog in the evening it's mm-hmm. like hmm put a pin in that uh, uh, but yeah in the morning uh, they're like not it's not intense they're lightly bickering about potentially looking into buying a home outside in the, outside the city in the country that just so happens to be near uh, the wife's parents uh, which mm-hmm. seems to be a point of tension on his part uh, i think we all understand that uh but then dan dan has to go to work Ooh. um and then oh wouldn't you know it guess who shows up to sit in on the meeting uh yes glenn close and she's a, an executive editor i believe is yes. that okay he is in legal she is in editing dude can we talk about the way he's eating this bagel dude like I've I've fucking Neanderthal. I've never seen anything like it. I don't know if it's just to be, it's just to show that he's super busy, or they just didn't give a fuck in the '80s. But normally, yeah, how you have a bagel? You split it open, you toast it, you spread the cheese on the bagel. This dude has not split it. He is just raw dogging this thing, not a toasted bagel, and he is dunking it in cream cheese, like like a good scoop of cream cheese on this thing. Never seen anything like it. It was pretty crazy. <laughs> it's savage. Is it's pretty it is. savage. It's like this actually should have been a turnoff 
uh, for Glenn Close's character, Alex, like to see him <laughs> doing that. I, did, like, Ugh. <laughs> I had to eat. I, I ran out of avocado. I have like half a bagel with some avocado on it. And I'm out of avocado, so I had to have it dry today. <laughs> I had I had a dry bagel the other day. My wife's like, "Did you just eat that dry?" I'm like, "Yeah." She's like, "What is wrong with you?" Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to see. That's how you know I, she's looking out for you. <laughs> I want to try like, this now. I'm gonna just split it in half and then dunk it into the cream cheese, and I wanna just want to see what her reaction is. It's like, there. Is that better? Does is that, that work better for you? <laughs> I yell at my wife first thing in the morning. Um, yeah, so uh, <laughs> they end up, I mean, they just have this meeting. He goes outside. It's raining. Uh, it's too rainy, and she's out there with him. She's like, hey, won't we step over here? And he's like, ah, let's go grab a drink in here real quick. Uh, we, before this, we I didn't, didn't say that his wife is out of town. The, the, the wife and the kid are headed out to the country for the weekend. So he's got the weekend to himself. Uh, and they have this little chat, and it's, I mean, Definitely, again, more energy coming from her. Like, she's definitely ready to pounce on this dude. Uh, but she's holding back. And uh, she basically is just like, I mean, we could go do stuff if you want. Are you discreet? Can you be discreet? And the way she's propositioning him is just like, she's done this before. She's okay with it. She knows that he has a wife. And it's just like, this is just going to be a quick little casual thing. And he's just like, I like how he kind of stutters. He's like, I'm going to get, 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 the, get the check. Like, it's kind of funny. Um, but yeah, they fucking get after it. Pump day! They, <laughs> they get after it. So this was Michael Douglas's gift. I've seen him, I've had, I've seen him have sex on screen a few times, Trevor. He brings an energy to his sex that is unprecedented and has not been matched since. It's kind of crazy. It's actually really funny. This was kind of like an eye-opening moment for me, like as a consumer of cinema, because like if you've been listening to Catching Up on Cinema for any length of time, you'll know that if if a punch is thrown in the movie, I I will know it frontwards and backwards and have endless thoughts about about the dynamics of that and and how how well it's put together so like like martial arts and action choreography is kind of my thing fuck choreography Mm -hmm. this opens up a whole new world for me i this is stuff i hadn't considered before where it's like oh fuck that's a thing that like a lot of planning and thought and care goes into whoa (laughs) my man likes to use his tongue and he likes to get some hip thrusting that jiggles his neck waddle while exhaling through his teeth. That is that is his fuck thrust. And it's it's effective. Like it knocks his hair off off onto his forehead. <laughs> and, and you know, it's Michael Douglas, so he always has big hair. Even mm-hmm. in twenty twenty two, he's got lovely hair. Like, oh, yeah. For fuck's sake, Michael Douglas is still making Marvel movies in twenty twenty two. How is she supposed to know I'm serious unless she can see my hair getting messed up when I'm fucking her? I realize that my my uh, Michael Douglas impression sounds like Heath Ledger's Joker. Just go with it. It's like Heath Ledger and Jack Nicholson smashed together into yeah. one. Either yeah. way, it's working, so keep it up, okay. uh, please. Um, <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> uh, but shit, yeah, uh, they just rip into each other. I'm really curious what the conversation is like before the cameras roll. Okay, so there I watched... I haven't even seen the movie yet. I own it, but I've seen 
Emily Watson talk about having to do a sex scene with uh, Skarsgård, uh, Stellan, in Breaking the Waves. Oh, Nymphomaniac? No, 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 or, Breaking breaking, or... breaking the Waves. Uh, she was a stage actress. She hadn't done a film up to that point, or she at least had never done to do a sex scene in a film. And she was just, like, really kind of nervous beforehand, and he was, he was just like, kind of just go with me. Like, just let me, like, I'll just follow my lead. Uh, so, yeah, and that's supposed to be more of a sensual... A different kind of lovemaking. Uh, yeah, this, I don't know how you prep beforehand. It's just, is he just like, just hold on to my collar and just, you know, <laughs> just, okay, just be well, ready. Kyle, try try to bear with me. This might get <laughs> tedious for you, so I really apologize. But please, by all means, jump in with thoughts as we go. So, okay. like, in, in the world of, like, martial arts choreography, like, in particular, <laughs> the Hong... Bear I'm with sorry. me, goddammit. I'm sorry. I wasn't expecting that <laughs> You have that to, to work from the base of knowledge that you have. Yes, 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 yes. I don't yes, yes, know yes, things yes, yes, about yes, yes, fuck yes, films, Kyle. I Go know ahead. things about punch movies. Go ahead. And, sorry. And hopefully we don't get to the point where we're doing both of those at the same time. <laughs> I'm not ready for that. <laughs> I need to train up for that. But in, the, in like the Hong Kong system of like martial arts choreography, a lot of times the choreography is plotted out on the set. Mm-hmm. Like they'll they'll just they'll break it up into pieces, beats, yeah. stanzas. So it'll be like so they'll like be in it'll be like on the set, and they'll be like, okay, so my hand's gonna go here, and we're gonna like smash against the sink, and you're gonna dip your hand into the sink and put water on your titty, and then in my mouth. I don't know I if that's think, erotic, but it's a choice. I think that might have just happened. Kind of like when Leo smacked yeah. his hand and his hand started bleeding and he rubbed it on her face. I think it was just like, just go with this. You Use it. <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 it doesn't feel like it's that kind of... It doesn't feel like it's that kind of choreography. I'm sure there are sex scenes where you kind of have to do that. I don't know. I feel like if you're, if you're directing too much, it's probably too rigid and you want it to feel more natural. Or, in this case, weird. <laughs> See that that's my suspicion because anytime you anytime you have to like move a camera in any significant way or adjust lighting in any significant way it slows things down like it setups are are what can kill a production like like you you'll be lucky sometimes if you can get two shots done in a day or one shot for that matter um so I wouldn't be surprised if maybe it was shot just like in a in a big master and they were just like just like live in the moment and we will follow you because i know high profile actors like like true true like respectful people of the craft like they they really don't like to be overly directed some people need it like some people need to be really pushed and told like to the most minute detail how to give a performance other people it's like no i want to live in the moment and give and then adjust accordingly but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it was done more uh, organically. But yeah, this was this is really fascinating to think about from a filmmaking standpoint because I'm just picturing Glenn Close and Michael Douglas like sitting down, and just like, okay, Glenn, I'm uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna grab you by the throat here. Uh, <laughs> not trying to hurt you. I'm not trying to hurt you. <laughs> <It's like laughs> she's a prof- she's a professional. I feel like it was yeah had a conversation about it. And like let's just kind of go with it. It's gonna be kind I mean, of wild. She has like a she has a squirrely manic quality to her performance in this. It's like if anyone was a danger on the set, I would imagine it to be yeah. her. <laughs> Glenn, Glenn, Glenn. 
<laughs> Safety word. Uh, <laughs> Rumble still Tippy toe. Tippy toe. Yeah, but it's like a mix of like it's it gets hot and heavy fast, and then there's like yeah. kind of the the funny stuff where he's like trying to pull his pants off while carrying her. It's kind of funny. Oh, that was great. Yeah, that's that good. Great. That was good. It, was, it you can tell it's like. He definitely wanted to do this, but there's still, like, there's some playfulness to it. Like, they're having fun. It's just, like, he's unwinding a little bit. Not a big deal, you know? Uh, I'm not condoning his, his actions, but... Um, no. Dude, dude, they bone until it's dark out, uh, and they are super sweaty, and they just have, like, some post-coital snuggling, and she's just like, hey, do you want to go out? Like, hey, do you want to go do something? And... After all this, this, this fuck afternoon that they had, she takes some salsa dancing. Uh, and, you know, it, again, very, very crowded. Uh, it's just very quick. Just just happens really fast. Um, Question, they, Kyle. Go for it. I, I'm not as well-versed in Michael Douglas's filmography as I'd really like to be, because I really do like the man. Like, he's, he's an electric performer. Like, just, I, I can watch him read the fucking phone book, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, I've loved him in pretty much everything I've seen him in. Romancing the Stone, um, but, Ghost in the Darkness, oh yeah, all great. great, all great. Oh, yeah, well, fucking Wall Street, fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, but, question, ah. in, in your experience, does mm-hmm. Michael Douglas... No, he does, does he not got... wear condoms, huh? Sorry. <laughs> Well, we we already knew that. I mean, just look at the man. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's made of grease. <laughs> he brings his own lubricant. It's natural. Um, but can he dance? Does he no, have moves? I don't think that's his thing. No. Yeah, no. that's what I thought too. Because I noticed here in this Latin dance club, it's all shot from the shoulders up. Yeah, and it's really uh, tight. Tight. yeah he doesn't seem like he's much of a dancer i don't think i've ever seen him dance uh it would his hips only know front to only know uh front to back there's no there's no twirling Just, with them hips yeah yeah it, there's yeah there's no shimmy it's all <laughs> yeah it's just it's just power thrusts um yeah yeah so they head back they call to- me the jackhammer <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh yeah so they go back to her place again and they she he's just like dropping her off like hey this is fun we're gonna do this again she's like no 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 no, we're going back inside then they start getting hot and heavy in the freight elevator uh yeah and uh she gives him a nice uh mouth hug and he ends up staying the night again and leaves the next morning and i was like this motherfucker just left the dog at the apartment all night by himself very disappointed very very disappointed dan yeah uh, it needs to be said um i i did mention this uh, up top but the uh the cinematography and mm-hmm. the the editing in this film the 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 lighting the shots is beautiful at times like really stunning stuff really well calculated and thought out oh and yeah well motivated too like there's not a lot of wasted motion it's like the camera movements play into the drama like it, it's there for a reason it's a visual language and the fucking stained glass windows in the in the freight elevator when it's going up and like all the overhead shots of them of of her like sucking his dick <laughs> like suck it and then that that bit where like the elevator stops and like there's a, a pair part, of yeah. feet walk by it's like holy shit <laughs> it's really intense and i just want to point out that there are really some 
astounding shots in this, and some of those uh, in the elevator are really, really well put together. Uh, I don't know what part of... I'm assuming he lives in Manhattan. They both live in Manhattan. Uh, I'm not sure what her apartment is supposed to signify to us. I don't know what it means. She lives right across the street from a butcher, uh, I guess, and or a meatpacking place. I'm not really sure. It cannot smell good over there. I, I can't imagine this was expensive real estate. No, no, absolutely not. But uh, I'm glad you pointed that out because the production design, the set, like the construction of her apartment is highly intentional. Mm-hmm. Like, like this doesn't happen by accident. Like somebody scouted this, somebody plot, planned this out because it is unique to mm-hmm. say the least. Uh, they have the um, Cassandra's apartment from Wayne's World uh, wall with the mm-hmm. white brick or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would describe it as... I don't know, uh, maybe symbolic of her instability um, because it is all over the fucking place. Like, there's mm-hmm. exposed piping in the ceiling. There's, like, a haphazard just, like, room divider thrown in there. There's a bizarre, like, kitchen arrangement. It doesn't, like, the layout makes not a lick of sense. I and, think and there's very little cohe- cohesiveness to its design. I think there's some bizarre, uh, like, really old... Uh, New York apartment architecture uh, because this was something I noticed in an episode of Mad Men where we go to Ginsburg's apartment and there's like there's a fucking window that goes into the kitchen like there's a kit like a, a wall separating the kitchen and there's like a window you just lift up I'm like that's fucking weird what is that all about <laughs> so that I mean that it, that could be the case too but this might also just be like one of those bizarre bizarrely designed apartments that I don't really understand what the point was it, it's a clash of styles to mm-hmm. like at the very least because I there is a lot of truth to what you just said there like antiquated architectural designs are all over the place it's a very old city um but on top of that it's like that combined with at the time contemporary modern like design aesthetics like in in particular like interior design stuff so it's it's like two worlds smashed together and it it it's weird to look at, to say the least. I've been in some, like, I lived in an old apartment, like a really old apartment building in Seattle, and I've been in some old apartment buildings. They are built really well. Like, yours is not. Yours was not. <laughs> you, you were so, you, you, I, could hear, I could hear everything your neighbors were say, doing. I could never hear my neighbors in my apartment. It was an older building. And there's some really, some really pretty apartment uh, complexes in uh, Seattle. If you're ever in the Capitol Hill area, check it out. Uh, you don't need to go. Just to don't try to drive or park there. Yeah, <laughs> do not drive or park there. You will get a ticket. There's no way you're not getting a ticket. Uh, or you'll just have to go home because yeah, you won't n- find anything. Oh, don't, don't <laughs> even fucking get me started on trying to find parking at Capitol Hill at 8 p.m. Dude, on we, a fucking we just Sunday. had an incident. Oh. We just had an incident the other day. I had to leave a play halfway through mm-hmm. because we found a parking spot. But it closed at 10, and I had to leave the fucking play. I had to squirrel my way out of that theater to go move the girlfriend's car. I fucked that place in that parking situation. I, <laughs> I, would, I would break my morals to find parking on a fucking Sunday evening. Or just fr- any weekday after 4 p.m. I will do anything. I will do anything. Just give me a fucking parking spot. Oh. Why do you? Why the fuck do you think we would record at my shitty apartment, Kyle? Yeah. Because I wasn't gonna come to you. Nope. Fuck that. <laughs> you come to me, you motherfucker. Have, you have parking out the ass over there. It's fantastic. 
Um, but yeah, so uh, he gets back home. Wife leaves a message. He calls her back, lets her know uh, she's at the in-law or she's at her parents' house. Uh, he lies to her, uh, dude. The way he just he just transitions back into uh, to normal. He is not like sweating this at all. Like he's just like, yep, uh, my nuts are drained completely. And uh, well, not quite yet. There's still some nut to drain. Um, he's just like, yep, that was good. I'm all good. I have no guilt. I feel fine. Uh, but, uh, Alex calls again and she is a bit clingy and he's kind of telling her like, Hey, listen, I had to like put off doing work last night. I got to do some work today. I can't do it. Uh, she just keeps persisting. And then they have a very weird little park date. Uh, there's something that was happening in movies, Trevor, uh, in the late eighties, early nineties, where there's like a weird... I don't know. I, w- I wanna, don't want to call it overacting, but it might just be a little bit of overacting. Where uh, specifically four weddings and a funeral, when this group of friends get together at weddings, one of the characters is just like over the top, loud, obnoxious, to where it's like not real. And this little interaction in the park just feels very not real. It's very strange. Yeah, Kyle. Let me ask you: uh-huh. Have you ever frolicked? No. Yeah, I, I, I'm in my mid-30s, and I have yet to frolic yep. at any point in my life. Yep. Um, this I would describe as a frolic through the park, or frolicking through the park with a dog. Motherfuckers are sprinting. It, <laughs> yeah, and this is like Central Park, too, yeah. where it's like, I'd be really concerned <laughs> for a variety of reasons, not the least of which being, that is not your wife, yeah. and this is a public park where people you know might be <laughs> so maybe don't be so fucking happy or handsy or both <laughs> yeah big city small world motherfucker uh <laughs> i mean really i mean i've seen friends i've seen seinfeld everybody's up in each other's business all the time <laughs> i bump into people i work with and know in seattle all the time it's like oh fuck i haven't seen you in forever and then i'd see him again the next yeah, fucking you get day. The central park pop-in you know <laughs> just happened. Uh, the pop-ins just happened yeah, but then we get like this weird we get this weird double joke where he acts like he has a heart attack and plays dead. She's like, really upset that he does this and she's like, My father died from a heart attack and he's just like, Oh shit. Yeah, this this was they used this bit in Attack of the Clones. <laughs> Anakin pulled this shit on Padme. I've only seen that. And movie... it was just as awkward there. I think I've seen that movie exactly one time, so I I have no idea. Good for you. It's the worst <laughs> Good one, for pal. you. <laughs> I've seen it five times. It's the worst <laughs> fucking one. Um, but yeah, Anakin fucking Skywalker. George Lucas saw a fatal attraction, apparently. He probably didn't get it, being as it's about people emoting and being romantic. And he was like, I didn't really get it, but I think I'm going to steal that for uh, Attack of the Clones. Ugh. That seems really romantic. That fatal attraction movie, it's a, it's a beautiful romance. <laughs> I feel like George Lucas doesn't know what romance is. Also, I think I'm going to watch He Empire. doesn't! He has no fucking clue how human emotion works. I but he I'm... makes cool movies with good special effects and mythology. I think I'm going to watch Empire Strikes Back tonight. Fuck you, George. Uh, but yeah, this is a really... <laughs> I'm going to watch the movie that your teacher made george it's way better hey george watch uh (laughs) it's gonna be better uh yeah this was very weird but you're already starting to get one she's a little clingy but okay that's okay that's not that big a deal it's really persistent maybe she's just got a crush on him maybe maybe this thing will just go a little bit longer uh but then if we get like this weird where you just meet somebody and you get along with most people but you just meet some people that 
they just don't have a sense of humor that you connect with or particularly want to like to entertain. Um, and this is one of those red flags for me is somebody like this. I'm like, okay, we're, we're not going to hang out. This isn't good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember that when I was dating, like running into people where it's like, I don't think you, I don't think we get each other yeah. or at least you don't get <clears throat> me. And that's just not going to work. Um, and, and it's important to be able to spot those things. Again, I'm speaking to, you know, the five young people out there who might be listening to this. It's important to pay attention to things like that. Those are very well, important. This is an interesting way to, to kind of have this infidelity in this movie where he doesn't he doesn't seem unhappy. He's not unhappy. He I don't think he has the emotional intelligence to realize that he's very stressed out. And this just kind of, no pun intended, falls in his lap. Uh, this this woman, and he's kind of like getting back into single life because the next the next moment is like, hey, won't you come over for dinner? Basically, and they're listening to opera. By the way, I downloaded this Madam Butterfly. Is that what it is? Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna listen to this one because uh, I have a soft spot for opera, and I think I'm gonna end up listening to this. Um, but have this dinner and she is blasting music this i have a friend who does this shit and it's infuriating it's, he'll be like it was making me mad Kyle. oh i was getting was, flashbacks of the old apartment i was thinking <laughs> i was starting to think punisher uh <laughs> during this <laughs> um but kevin nash needs to show up in fatal attraction better movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but he has this he has this weird moment of clarity about his father like he i don't think he's ever articulated he's just like i had this moment with my father and it just reminds me of this opera and they share like the he has like this moment of uh of letting his guard down with her and that's not something you want to do with your side chick dude <laughs> you t- we don't talk yeah, feelings. Maybe don't do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe keep it strictly physical. And I'm sorry, I, I did talk over you, Kyle. Um, sorry. At the conclusion of the frolic through the park, that a uh, moment that she has is actually important to key in on, because it's like one of the only early warning signs you like explicit early warning signs you get that something's a little off with her, where basically he plays dead and then she's upset with him, mm-hmm. and it doesn't seem like she's joking. And there's even like a music cue where there's this ambient rumble, kind of similar to the dark side of the forest when Darth Vader's choking people. Mm-hmm. She has that, but it's like with blades for eyes that she's staring at him with. Um, and yeah, she's she mentioned something about like her dad died of a heart attack in front of her when she was like seven or something. Mm-hmm. And she says it completely flat. It's not a joke. Um, although he looks at her like, is that a joke? And then we cut away before we get confirmation otherwise. But it's like, that's the kind of stuff in this movie that I actually like. Is that we never, we never, like, spoiler alert, we never actually explore her psyche or whatever trauma or damage she might be bringing into this relationship. Quote, relationship. We just get these hints every now and again that this woman is a little unstable. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is just like the first time that surfaces. But yeah, the... The dinner, eating pasta. By the way, good form, Michael Douglas. He knows how to eat pasta. I don't. With the spoon? Do you know how to eat pasta, Kyle? With the, with yeah. the spoon? Yeah. I don't. Fuck, but I need yeah. to learn that. <laughs> it's really simple, uh, <clears throat> but I don't do it. <laughs> I know how to do it. I've done it. It works, but I'm not dirtying up another spoon. I, I haven't had... Motherfucker, I haven't had a dishwasher in, I think, uh, six years. Yeah, six years I haven't had a dishwasher, so I, it's a fork. That's it. 
I, I, it's funny actually the girlfriend is uh she's poking me uh pretty regularly about like you don't need to do the hand wash like, you do have a, a dishwasher <laughs> i'm like you don't understand this is this is unusual i'm not used to machines see, doing things for me <laughs> see mine is a little different my 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 uh wife was just like you don't have to let it soak because she she does have a dishwasher where she's at and uh she's like you don't have to let it soak and i'm like oh yeah you don't have to let it soak but i still i'm like it feels good i'm like i've let it soak so it's easier to clean up, you know? But no, yeah. I still have that thought process mm-hmm. of I don't want to use extra dishes if I don't have to. Exactly. It's like, oh, wait, I could just throw it in the thing and hit the button. <laughs> just, I wow. Get, <laughs> I mean, I've had weeks where I've just had to use a bowl. <laughs> it's just a bowl. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah. yeah, we do get this uh, this mention of the, the, the opera, mm-hmm. Madame Butterfly, where uh, – Michael Douglas's character Dan, he actually knows this particular opera, and he, I think he describes it as the only memory he has of his dad being kind to him, mm-hmm. like comforting him during the conclusion of the opera, which it's very important to note uh, involves a suicide on the part of a like besmirched lover. It's a mm-hmm. Japanese woman who's abandoned by I think it's an American sailor. Um, so put a pin nice. in that uh, in regards yeah. to the Glenn Close character Alex. Well, they should, um, and then I think. <laughs> <laughs> they should wear condoms. They go from port to port. Um, yeah. Uh, you were saying about Glenn Close. Uh, Alex, sorry. Yeah. Uh, we we cut to them in bed uh, cuddling, and uh, he tries to leave. And Dead. Kyle is shaking his head. <laughs> I, I was literally in my... Like, the way this movie builds tension is... I mean, for 1987, I'm like, it does a really good job of building tension. I was getting frustrated with him at this point. I'm like, dude, fucking go home. You, you dipped your wick one night. Okay, you can go ask for forgiveness. But you're you're entering into a whole other realm here. You are busting multiple nuts, and it is not okay. Now, Kyle, do you want? Are you okay to talk about Dan now, or do you want to wait till we get through the whole movie? Let's talk about him now. Because Okay, because I think this is important to bring up because when I f- concluded, you know, this film, when I finished watching it, I was thinking to myself, I don't think they could make this shit in 2022, or at the very least, they wouldn't. Studios wouldn't want to make this particular film this way in 2022, and a lot of it, I think, comes down to just where we're at in society and culture. But um, a big part of it is just like culturally we're in a very different place than we were in the late 80s which is you know reagan's america when we're coming back to like conservative kind of like fake norman rockwellian like nuclear family type Mm -hmm. households and whatnot like american dream type shit that never never really was real but it's what we were all kind of pretending was what we all wanted and where what we were all doing in the 80s Mm -hmm. um this film never points the finger at Dan. No, you are supposed it to never makes him out. Him. You never, you are never meant to look at him as the bad guy. Dude, I have to burn my notes because I have it here multiple times. You have to kill her because that's what the movie. <laughs> that's what the movie's getting at. It's just like, dude, you're gonna have to kill this person. There's no way to get out of this. There's no way to get out of this, but in 2022, I don't think you could make this story no. with this character portrayed this way. This family would be wrecked by the time you get to the final reel. You could have everything happen the same way it does, but I don't think contemporary, like, young audiences in particular would be comfortable with looking at Dan as a good guy by the time you get to the end of the movie. 
And also, like, monogamy is such a, a fickle subject for this generation. Uh, and people, I mean, it happens. People cheat on their spouses even though they have agreements. They, they get married that they did not have something open. And people do get forgiven. And you can move past that. They're speed bumps. And it's subjective to which couples this is going to, like, that can actually happen for. Um, but yeah, this movie, it's just like, the way they put it is like, you're supposed to feel bad for him. Also, you're kind of just supposed to feel like it wasn't that big a deal. Like, it, it, it wasn't, it, he isn't having any kind of struggle with it. So the, we, the viewer, aren't really supposed to have any kind of struggle with it. Yeah, I mean, the way the movie concludes, like, full spoiler alert, it, it is kind of like, well, everything went back to normal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like, uh, uh, in 2022, no, that that wouldn't be the way this story ends. This this family would have some serious tension. It would almost be like, what, the end of, of Red Dragon or Manhunter <laughs> or something, where it's like, this family has some serious shit to work through now. This poor little girl <laughs> in this movie, she has been through the ringer. Uh, hopefully she doesn't remember any of it, the character. Um, but yeah, uh, she, yeah, she does not want him to go and she's getting very pissed off. Uh, and I'm like, dude, what did you think was going to happen? Like, she obviously wanted you to stay. She's not going to want you to go, dude. And then she goes full blown nutso. Uh, he's just like, Hey, I'm going to go ahead and take off now. Like she kind of gets mad at him. She's like, Oh, you thought you were just going to bang me and just leave me. He's like, kinda yeah that's what we talked about this is what we agreed on uh she he goes to say goodbye she's like just give me a kiss before you go and i like the way that this kind of plays out like she's like rubbing his face a little bit it looks like they're about to get it going again but blood is like on his face and uh uh-oh she has slit her wrists and yeah uh this was quite a bit of a jump here uh, the way that this plays out, like he goes into like panic mode. Uh, he's like putting her wrists under. Now the sink has a different use. It's not for splashing ass. It's for you know getting the blood <laughs> off these wrists. Uh, splashing dude, ass. Splashing ass. <laughs> there is like a bit of a bidet maneuver that's going on there. Uh, yeah, it's it's going to like but, if you've ever seen a, a hippo muck spread, the, the <laughs> it's like that. Uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, yeah, but yeah, so we we get the sense that she did this to make him stay longer, and it seems like it's a. I mean, yes, this person is supposed to be unstable, but even for the character, it's just like, eh, that seems a bit extreme. Uh, but he ends up having to stay. Uh, you know, he wraps up her li- uh, wraps up her wrists, and again, my man is uh, built for politics because the he can pull lies out of his ass like nothing. Because uh, he calls his wife from here, and he's just like, yeah, I'm just getting some work done. No no caller ID back then, folks. You had to pay extra for that once we got uh, cordless. Um, but just, yeah, the audacity of him to call his wife from his his side chick's house is ugh, real mafia. <laughs> yeah, at least go in the other room or something. Oh, wait, she doesn't have other rooms. It's that yeah. kind of layout. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, the the escalation here. Uh, I want to say that in 1987, maybe this was more shocking mm-hmm. than you or I regard it now. Uh, this r- slit wrists situation. Yeah. Uh, because the, the the score in this movie veers back and forth between being extraordinary and oppressive, mm-hmm. and this is where it gets oppressive because the score goes apeshit during Ape the sequence. Shit. It, 
yeah it's it is just cacophony of synthesized noise and it's like scale it back a bit like the performances are doing quite a lot here i don't need you uh maurice jarre or however it's pronounced uh interceding but um when it's more ambient it's really really good like mm-hmm. in the sequences where alex is stalking him and yeah. stuff and it's, it's just a dull rumble on the score like on the soundtrack it's great but here it, it's it's just too much and same with like the final confrontation at the end of the film it just it goes a little too far it gets too big but i did like that there is some build-up to her you know doing this act of self-harm here where she like rips his shirt as he's trying to leave mm-hmm. and then she makes some comment about like don't be nice to me oh. I'd, I'd respect you more yeah. if you told me to fuck off and yeah. he's like well then fuck, fuck off. off it's nice it's a good line <laughs> Uh, that's good stuff, dude. There was a video. Of she a... kicks him. Yeah, she kicks him in the ass. <laughs> uh, dude, there's a video of a girl in a nightclub uh, who puts on lipstick and she just goes around to all these guys with light colored shirts or white shirts and she puts she goes up and gives them kisses because you're just getting bumped into. So these guys have no idea. Oh, fucking brilliant! <laughs> such such a good prank, and I'm glad she filmed it so these guys can be like, look. That, see, that's me. She she just came up. <laughs> Great stuff. Um, Imagine yeah. being imagine being oh. in those people's shoes though, or to imagine coming home that night. <laughs> my my buddy got an earful because he was doing laundry in an apartment complex, and uh, one of the other tenants left her underwear in the dryer, and it got mixed up into their clothes. And his girlfriend Yikes. did the laundry. She's like, "These aren't mine," and it was a whole thing. And he had to like really talk like, "It's an apartment complex, other people's laundry." I did not feel bad for him that day, uh, but I was. I want to come back to this butcher shop thing that's that's across the street because we do keep getting shots of it. Again, I don't know if it's just because it's to show her location or where she lives, or if this is supposed to to mean something. It's just like for some reason, dead meat. <laughs> like, dude, you're dead meat. <laughs> um, and at, at one point, there is like there's usually like uh, like animals like up on the hooks, but at one point when he goes to when he goes berserker. The meat hooks are, are 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 all empty. It's just like they're just begging for you, dude. They want you to do something with the meat hooks, um, but I I don't want to keep coming back to it necessarily. If you don't have anything to any other comment on keep, it, bring it up whenever it comes to your mind okay. because I didn't catch that, but maybe I can recall it uh, if with enough repetition. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, <laughs> I think they have like a phone call or something. It's just like, you're going to go see a doctor, right? And I'm like, she's not going to go see a doctor, dude. Yeah. He says goodbye. He does spend the night with her. Yes. Okay. Um, but he says his goodbye and she's still in bed and he's like, you're going to see a doctor, right? <laughs> Cause I'm not taking you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. And he takes off and she, she's like more docile now. And he, he does manage to leave without further incident. By the way, the shot. Like the the push in like dolly shot of him, uh, his hand grabs the pillar in the middle of the room with it like smears blood on it. Mm. It's this amazing action shot. It's beautifully choreographed. This <laughs> is like one of those shots that's like, why is this guy doing fuck films? He should be doing Michael Bay shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sure this whole thing's gonna blow over too. Uh, so we get back home. He's getting ready for work. Uh, he messes up the bed. To make it look like, yeah. you know, that's good. Uh, he feeds the dog spaghetti. Now, I'm like, I was pissed at him for leaving him there all by himself. And at least, okay, he left him there all night, but he did take him to Central Park, and he did get them energies out. He got them zoomies. I appreciate that. And then he gives him spaghetti the next day. I'm like, okay, 
he knows he fucked up and he makes it up to him. I appreciate that. Um, I do love this. He gets to the office and he's just like, hey, I got to be in court by 2 p.m. I got a shit ton of work to do. I'm like, motherfucker, you're not getting it done. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Um, so he, I think maybe wife comes home finally and uh, wife and kid yeah. come home. I'm glad you mentioned the work thing because I feel like that's a little bit of a missed opportunity with this film is additional tension in the form of work is kicking his ass Mm -hmm. and he's like losing his fucking mind because he actually keeps it together pretty well in this movie. Like he does have some serious explosions towards the end, but it would have been an extra layer of tension that actually would have made for a more manic, like more frenzied experience of, of him like having the office bearing down on him while like spoiler alert a, a stalker lady is constantly calling him and bothering him and invading his life i mean he's an i i've just realized like he's an ip attorney basically it's intellectual property so intellectual property now it's all computers technology software all that shit back then it was books but it makes more now now i put it into the right frame like okay ip uh but he has this like he Again, very much loving with his family unit. And uh, I thought he was just going to be like, sorry, honey, uh, my nuts are drained. And then he starts to like pick it back up. I'm like, or are they? <laughs> I, think, I think he's going to keep going. Did you take a shower, motherfucker? Um, uh, <laughs> I was like, lovely family unit. Sure would be a shame if something or someone messed it up. Uh, yeah, so we go look at the house out in the... I, it's probably like I think it's like Staten Island maybe or I'm not sure where this is supposed to be. Um, yeah, look at the house. It looks nice. He's into it. I think they're probably going to get it. Um, and then we get him uh, back at the office, and wouldn't you know it, shoulder pads is there. Yeah, uh, Alex is there, and she brought her uh, her most leathery, most shoulder padded uh, jacket with her, and uh, she's just sitting in the reception area waiting for him. Like a crazy person. It's crazy. She uh, looks like a Klingon. That means I love you. <laughs> uh, I do like he's just like, you look good. You look really good. I'm like, and that fucking thing? All right, man. Whatever. That perm and that <laughs> and the, those shoulder pads. Uh, dude, I... She does such a great job of bouncing back and forth because this moment where she's like apologizing, she's just like, I'm, it feels so genuine. It's just like, I'm really sorry. I was going through some shit and you were at, you took the receiving end of it. I'm really sorry. And it, it's so nice. And he's just like, you know what? I, it's okay. Uh, and she's just like, hey, I got two tickets. This whole time, Kyle, this whole time, I, I was like, mm. Oh, I mean, <laughs> we know what the movie's, we know where this is going. I, I know, but it, it felt really good to have those reactions to the film because yes. that meant I was engaged. Exactly. I, I was really into it because I, I was watching it. this conversation. Everything you're saying, yes. It's like, yeah, that does seem like a genuine apology. She even extends an invitation uh, to Madame Butterfly, the opera that they listen to. And it's there where I'm, my bullshit detector's going like, mm, this is some George Costanza shit. He's like, you're going to leave a hat in my office so you can come back tomorrow to pick it up. <laughs> Fuck that. But, and then like, I was just like pointing my finger at the screen because he hugs her goodbye. Mm-hmm. No. No. <laughs> If you have to touch her, shake her hand. Do you remember? <laughs> no. Oh, no. fuck. You, you haven't seen the other guys, have you? You don't remember it, do you? I have. Okay. I have. 
Do you remember when Mark Wahlberg's over there for dinner and he's just like mesmerized by Ava Mendez, that's his wife? Yes. And he goes to, they go to like say goodbye and he goes to give her a hug and he tries to kiss her on the mouth. And they, they just like, they, they don't even make a big deal out of it. They're just like, oh, go ahead. Just keep going. They don't kiss her. But I thought that's what she was going to do here. She was going to try like, like, like just try to attack him <laughs> with the kiss. But no, they keep it to an oh, ass. She, she's, she's, too, uh, she's too sneaky for that. Yeah, to get that. Um, but yeah, my note says hug goodbye, idiot. Idiot. <laughs> Dude, you're so Don't invite her in. She's a fucking vampire. Dude, your kid is so getting kidnapped. You don't even know. Uh, <laughs> idiot. Uh yeah, and then we get this uh we get this little what, what do you what do you call this where we're cutting back in be- between two different scenes like just progressing at I the would same. call this cross-cutting. Cross-cutting. Yes, we get some cross-cutting of Alex listening to Opera in the Dark like a fucking psycho. And she's just clicking the lamp on and off, thinking of her master plan. And we get the, the couples. We got a couples night with Jimmy and his wife doing some bowling. And the energy here. Like, again, this is over-the-top energy. But you do feel like they are friends. Like, they have good chemistry. I mean, you practically expect some, like, Randy Newman music to be playing over the series. <laughs> this guy looks like Randy Newman. Uh, he does. <laughs> he looks uh, like a Newman. Uh, I mean, really, honestly, if we're being 100% honest, this is who you hire if you can't get Wayne Knight. Uh, and speaking of voting for Reagan, uh, Fred Gwynn is his boss in this movie, and this guy definitely voted for Reagan, I can tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> This character, not not, Fre- him. not Fred Gwynn. I'm talking yeah. about this character. <laughs> yeah, no, this this character, 100%. 100%. Yeah, senior uh, he, I mean, I'm yeah. sure he contributed to the campaign. Oh, both times. Fuck yeah. <laughs> yes, he did. Uh, yeah, uh, he, he's just like kind of, not, he's not really getting onto it. He's just like, are you going to get this thing done? Do you, you need to get this book thing done. Yeah. Another missed opportunity. Could have used more Fred Gwynn. For sure, because uh, I I I really do like Fred Gwynn. He every time he shows up, my my face lights up. I yeah. just got a big old smile because yeah. he, he's wonderful. Yeah, I did watch the monsters I on did Nick too. at Night when I was a kid. For sure, and uh, my cousin Vinny. Uh, that was a that was a movie my dad introduced me to at an early age. I I adore that movie, and it, him as the judge, he's so great. It's not it's not Fred Gwynn doing it, but if you can find it, look up. Uh, old man from Pet Cemetery on South Park. It is one of the funniest things I've they've ever done. Um, I'll I'll have to look that up. I'll find it. I'll send it to you, dude. It, my buddy, and it's one of those things that my buddy and I quoted all the time when we heard. Like we just died laughing, so we spent years quoting it. Dude, okay, so he again, like he's a lawyer for book publishing. He's IP intellectual property, and I'm like, what are some other film? like film professions things that are like architects another thing but it's like i feel like there should be a movie it's probably a hallmark movie actually i guarantee it's a hallmark movie it's not we should write this hallmark movie where it's an architect who only builds toy stores and he has to build a toy store at christmas i feel like that would be a a good one this town needs (laughs) this town needs the toy store because santa and yeah i have a child i'm a single parent um, yeah, I mean, architect and lawyer are kind of the pro. It's like the stereotypical busy dad profession mm-hmm. in film and television. Always yeah. has been, always will be. Yeah, architect for sure, because they don't get work. Uh, <laughs> Alex, <laughs> I have, I have an actually know an architect. I know an, ar- I know an architect too. <laughs> 
<laughs> and they're doing fine. They're doing fine. Yeah, um, he's he's very busy. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Alex calls obviously, uh, and I think so. We get this a couple of times, and it was a little weird. Generally, when you have somebody talking on the phone, uh, you hear the other person talking, and we get a couple times where he's talking, and we go to where she's at, and she's talking, but we don't get the receiving. Like we don't hear the person talking through the phone basically you know what i mean where you actually hear them kind of through the yeah. receiver yeah um but at this point they, we don't even see her he just has like this moment he's like yeah no you know i can't that's no don't call here anymore it just it was kind of strange to see yeah I, I don't know exactly why they chose to do it that way but i don't i mean nothing important was said it's more just the fact that she called him uh, that's the only important. That's the only reason this is in the movie. But yeah, that, that is curious that it's inconsistent. Um, but yeah, so we get watching his wife getting ready. He is about ready to pounce on her, but we have a high. Oh, he has to change those pants. Like, like <laughs> <laughs> before going out, he has to change those pants. Ripped another pair with my boner. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, yes, we get to another high-energy dinner party. I mean, they are laughing and drinking and smoking cigars. Uh, and it's kind of funny. He's just, like, they're kind of upset with them that they're leaving the city. And he just makes a good joke. He's like, well, we need to get new friends. This is the best way to get rid of you guys. This is fun. Yeah. Uh, this this is the kind of high-energy dinner party that in a Tarantino movie, somebody gets shot at the end of it. <laughs> we tried to do this. My, my buddy's wife tried to do this one night. Three couples. Uh, one of the friends, who you know, uh, got way too drunk before he got there. And uh, it wasn't a great night. I'll send you a picture that night. And it it's just... a beautiful summation of the uh, the evening um <laughs> the carnage <laughs> the, horror. the uh, horror it's it's pretty good uh but yeah so the phone starts ringing and uh he's starting to get a little nervous he's starting to like uh something might be up and uh Ann archer Beth, she goes to answer and she says like hello like five times before hanging up you get two fucking hellos and that's it well it's interesting because this was some skillful filmmaking where we have a subtle push in on him that really amps up the tension. Because I found myself getting tense when this happened. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, is he, he going to get found out? And it's like, eh, just give it, give it twenty minutes, Trevor. <laughs> uh, but um, I, th- I think maybe there was implication that this was not the first time that this that his wife had gotten this particular call. Okay, because yeah. she's persistent. Like she does hang in there a little longer than you would expect. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was also. Uh, but the next call comes at two thirteen in the fucking morning. My okay, dude. So there's there's a scene in Mad Men where Don, Don's in trouble basically for lying, and his wife's like, "What am I supposed to tell the kids?" And he's just like, "Tell them I'm out of town." And Pennsylvania, she's like, "Jesus, did you just come up with that? Like, I didn't realize how big of a piece of shit you really were. You lying sack of shit." Hit. Hang on. He Go has he has kids. Trevor, you. I'm not joking. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not exaggerating when i say it is one of the best one of the best shows to ever grace television it really is fantastic you gotta watch it yes he has okay. kids. he has three of them okay okay she's whoa <laughs> that's a problem <laughs> three ruined lives <laughs> i'm sorry i'm looking at the picture i'm about to send you uh, it's one of my it, it's one of my one of my prized possessions uh 
Um, but yeah, so he just makes up this shit saying, he's like, yeah, I don't have the papers in front of me right now. I can give you a call. Like, he's, he's doing such a great job of saying things that his wife would assume is work, but work for this conversation. Uh, which is also a joke from 30 Rock where he has to do... So I can do both. <laughs> just answer it. <laughs> Say things that I can I can do both. Stay on the phone and just talk to you. Um, yeah, so we get late night call. And then I think this is where uh, they have... Oh, she's like, meet me at 6 a.m. Fucking 6 a.m. Uh, to go talk. And they have a little chat here. And she just drops the, I love you, Dan. And he's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And she's like, oh, I'm pregnant also. So now we have a whole other thing. Yeah, and she gives him his her gynecologist card, like if he's seeking verification on that pregnancy thing. And I don't think he ever actually does follow up on that. Well, uh, he, not particularly important. He, he does. He does follow up. Yeah. Uh, he calls the doctor and says, "Congratulations, you're going to have a congratulations that she's pregnant." I don't know if it was really oh, a doctor. somehow I missed that. So I don't uh, say so I don't know if it was actually a doctor, but uh, yeah, it, it he did follow up on that. Okay, that's uh, important. I didn't actually catch that, but he he does like bad move, Dan. Like tactless move. He he's like very casually like oh, I'm sorry, I'll pay for the abortion. <laughs> it's like whoa, buddy, stand up, <laughs> stand up, guy. Hey, you know he even like gives like a hey. I'll pay for it. Like, <laughs> yeah, he has a smile on his face when he says it. It's like, whoa. He's buddy. just like, you uh, didn't, you didn't have a diaphragm. I'm like, no, dude, you were dumping clips on her like crazy. So yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> uh, but you were fresh out of sponges at the pharmacy. <laughs> <laughs> you were not sponge worthy, bro. <laughs> uh, she was like, I don't want an abortion. I was hoping that you would want to be a part of its life. And he's like. What are you talking about? I have a wife who I love and a child. I've already got a child. I don't need a side family. Fatal uh, Attraction starring Jim Carrey. <laughs> and I'm talking like the the you gotta kill this lady is really starting to set in. Like it is it is just simmering back there. It's like, gonna have to kill her. Gonna have to kill her. Gonna have to kill her. Um, and a different movie, he would have inner monologue just constantly muttering that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so now he's following her. Like you see her leaving her apartment, and you see him wait for her to leave, and he breaks in. I'm like, there you go. That's the spirit. This is how you get started. Find out her ha- habits. <laughs> uh, see where she goes. Uh, but we, I don't really know what we learn here. He goes through her whole apartment. She has a scrapbook that has an obituary of like a, a I guess like a city councilman or somebody who was well off that ended up dying. But there's no connection made. It's still a mystery. This was this was hard to read, uh, because I got what you got. I, the one major thing is that that person's name was Stanley Forrest, which is the last name that she uses. Ah, and working at working in the editing department of that publishing house, I don't think you could just appear there with a with a pseudonym or something without anybody noticing. So it's like it's hard to believe she'd just start working there a few days before meeting him or something so like at first i was thinking like they were going like a black widow route with this or something where she like she meets dudes kills them and steals their their surname or something yeah 
but we never ever touch on this again and it's it's just a, a hanging thread honestly mm-hmm. so i don't i don't really know what this meant like maybe this was a relative like a, a like a uncle or a father or something and it's an actually just a scrapbook i i was actually a little confused by this too um so that's a that's a weird bit in this movie that feels significant but as it stands it doesn't really mean a whole lot to me um yeah, and then he has his talk with Jimmy. So Jimmy is a, uh, apparently a family lawyer. That's what his firm deals with. He's like family law. And he basically just lays it out for him. He's like, geez, dude. And he's like, what What can I do? And he's like, fucking nothing. Nothing good. Uh, <laughs> this is also really shitty to do to your colleague, uh, who is an attorney, <laughs> to put them in this situation. Um, did you catch this stun gun news report? I did. I was expecting it to be an element in the movie later like maybe someone was going to have one of those uh, later in the film mm-hmm. uh, but no that's another another th- detail there that you know probably could have used some following up like n- they always say nothing's in a movie by accident but apparently this was because <laughs> i was i was really expecting her to show up with a stun gun to, and put it in his neck or something towards the end of the movie but no it's just on the news and oh kyle in in bed um She's making calls because she discovers that Dan changed the, the home number. Did you? Did catch- I take? Did I catch all the food that's in here? Yes, I did, Trevor. We have Dor- Doritos in the original bag, which are awesome. Oreos, ice cream, and some sort of alcoholic beverage. I'm gonna go with scotch. Yes, dude. She is eating like a teenager whose parents are gone for the weekend. Basically, I don't know what the significance of that is. But yeah, I definitely noticed it. She is very comfortable in this bed, is what we're getting at. <laughs> oh no, my she wife has not left this bed. <laughs> my wife likes to eat in bed. It it drives me insane because there's always fucking crumbs, and I'm just like, oh, damn it, crumbs in the bed. Uh, I yell at her in the morning about it. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm like, <laughs> I uh, I don't yell at my wife, folks. Um, she, <laughs> She'd punch me in the throat. Uh, again, I have changed his number. Oh, this is going to go over well. What did you fucking think was going to happen? This is the worst thing you could have done in this situation. Is Well, leave her alive, but change your number? Make it more difficult for her? This is, this is a speed bump for her, dude. She is gonna, she's going to go even further. Uh, <laughs> ah, man. Uh, so this is where I'm like, oh, his ass has to be so sweaty. And I was also like, why the fuck is she in their apartment? But he goes home, and trembling with fear, he hears a familiar voice. I forgot that they've likely got their apartment on the market. Uh, So Glenn Close is there, Alex. She is looking at the apartment. And the way – this is so awkward. And I don't know how uh, his wife doesn't pick up on this. She tries to do this thing where she's just like, "Uh, don't I know you? And he's like, no. I don't think we've ever met. Like he's just stone faced, not giving her anything. Kind of pissed off. Like you can just tell that he's just trying to hold it all in. She's like, "Weren't you at the party with the Japanese books?" And he's just like, "I guess." She's like, "Oh yeah, that's where we must have known each other." And she's like, says his name and where he works, and it's like, "Fuck, dude, this is kind of insane." But he's just like, "Oh yeah, I don't remember you." Anyway, I don't even think they talk here in the apartment. Like they just may have like a a little something in passing. Yeah, he he can barely get a word out because he he is just so petrified and like Kyle had said, his ass is just clenched, and clenched. is probably dripping with sweat. 
never seen a butthole smaller than this man right now. I mean, you, you grab some, you grab a pebble and put it in there, you're gonna get a diamond. Honestly, uh, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I, it's a cliche, but I, I really love the the sliding pan uh, of him, the POV of him going around the corner to mm-hmm. reveal like he. We hear the voice when he's hanging up his coat, and then the camera from his POV like skirts around the corner, and then you get the full reveal like there, there she blows, and there she's she having blows. she's having tea with my wife. That's lovely. Um, also, the we get a, a reminder like when they shake hands, like in this phony meeting, I guess, like introduction. Uh, we see the scars still on her wrist. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh shit. Um, and uh, I love the bit when she's about to leave, and they're you know, Alex and and the wife Beth. They were talking about you know like oh I I, I love the place. I'll be happy to take it off your hands once you move out to the country. Oh. Before you go, Alex, you're going to need our phone number so oh. we can keep in touch. And Dan's just like standing in the center of the room, just staring at the wall. <laughs> okay, I got you. Yeah, no, he is, uh, he is not happy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so now he is royally pissed and he goes to Alex's to talk. Uh, and he goes about how you think it would, how it's going to go. Uh, she I love she has a line here that I really like. She's just going back and forth. She's like, what are you trying to do? What is, what is your end game here? And she's just like, You thought you were gonna love me and leave me, but no. She's like, uh and he's like, I, you changed your number. She's like, I'm not going to be ignored, Dan. And I'm like, that's fucking chilling. That's like one of the most famous quotes from the movie. I knew that one before I even saw oh, really? this. I yeah. Uh, I'm not gonna be ignored, Dan. It, I want it, it's a particular cadence that's like Oh, you're nuts! <laughs> I was going to say I watched uh, I watched Casablanca, and I'm like, oh, every movie quote is from Casablanca. I didn't realize it all is from yeah. this movie. Yeah, Kyle was telling me that via text the other day. And speaking of which, um, film noir uh, is one of those classic genres. It's a it's a pillar of the industry, or at least it was. Uh, well, actually, it's kind of like westerns. Neo noir, neo westerns are everywhere. You just have to squint a little bit to find them. Um, uh, erotic thrillers uh, some say actually were an evolution of film noir yeah i can um, see that just wanted to point that out um yeah. that it has the its fi- origins kind of with that the film you know fatale. what with the femme fatale and whatnot yes. <laughs> jinx you uh, soda um but yeah she demands respect mm-hmm. and uh this is where things get a, a might physical uh, just a skosh <laughs> yeah i'm like dude you really gonna start planning how she's gonna have an accident like i don't know what you're doing i don't know why you're working you should be just planning how you get her to electrocute herself quote unquote. oh my god i gotta kill her oh my god i gotta kill her what's that movie where Answers he goes the phone in the morning oh my god i gotta kill her <laughs> what's <laughs> falling down you need to go full falling down on this broad uh I mean, yeah, just wait a few years. He'll he'll find his footing with that. That's a, I mean, I hate to say it, but it's a fun watch. <laughs> I do like Falling Down. Joel Schumacher film, by the way. But, um, yeah, she's a, uh, follow. She's like screaming at him and pursuing him down the hallway as he's trying to leave her apartment, and uh, he bashes the back of her head against the wall. Mm-hmm. And this, I'm not quite sure how they did this, um, but both actors committed to this, and I will say this much. What little violence there is in this movie is shockingly realistic and 
just brutal. Like, mm-hmm. like it, there's a physicality at work between these two that is very convincing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he he's straight up just bashes the back of her head against the wall, and in, in a very di- stern tone, just uh, again, specifics are what make threats imminent. Is you tell my wife, I'll kill you. Mm-hmm. It's like we have cause. We just have we have stipulations. It's like <laughs> you do this, this gonna happen. <laughs> dude, I'm like he dude. He impregnated the Joker because nothing that he can say you. You have nothing. It's just like it's not about money. It's about sending a message. <laughs> you have nothing. You have nothing to hold over me. <laughs> um, yeah, dude. So we get to the new house. It's moving day. It's exciting. Uh, and the phone's ringing. And I do love. I like this panicked. Like he drops this big heavy thing that he's carrying. Like, I'll get the phone real quick. And he answers it. And I think it's his mother-in-law or his assistant or whoever. He's it's, just like it's the office. Mary, hi, Mary. <laughs> like, just so relieved. Um, but yeah, we got to get back to the office, and uh, we mentioned this thread about the bunny rabbit. We forgot about the bunny rabbit. So well, they yeah, vi- we did miss the bunny. We were visiting the grandparents, and the grandparents have bunnies. And little uh, little Ellen, she wants a bunny so bad, um, and he ends up back at the office. He calls his wife, and guess what? I got I got a bunny, and it's gonna make it to the credits. Uh, <laughs> and he's leaving. He's leaving the office, and he says goodbye to his assistant. Like, hey, you got this little package here. You gotta take it with you. And uh, he goes back to the parking garage. Now, this is—I don't know how many of these are left. Uh, but he goes to get his key from the parking attendant, and he's not there. So he just grabs his key, and he knows what floor it's on. Is it valet? If it's valet parking, how the fuck does he know where his car is? Maybe it has a designated spot. Uh, who knows but uh, oh. this elevator is truly awesome to look at but it looks straight up dangerous it does look very honest. dangerous dude, <laughs> I'm thinking now so I was joking I like making the joker joke uh, dude we it, it, I, we would never get it but a female joker I feel like Glenn Close has the manic energy for a female joker I don't know what that would look like but it would be i think it'd be interesting and this would have been I mean, the decade for it she is a chameleonic actress like she's in she hook prides her, she, yeah i mean she prides herself on pretty much being able to do anything you throw at her she did so, uh yeah, I, yeah albert knobs she's albert knobs yeah yeah so dude yeah dude, I, mean, I mean she's playing men yeah she's playing she played everything she can be Glenn, anything Glenn Close's Joker would be would be a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, so this is her next Joker move. Like she's just in the parking garage watching him waiting, and I thought a Xenomorph was loose because he gets to his car and it's sizzling, and it looks like she dumped acid. I'm like, where did she get boiling acid from, Batman? <laughs> uh, well, he's just like son of a bitch. Uh, but I guess the did the battery explode or something? Like it was eroding the hood or something? I'm not really sure. He, he he states that's something to do with the electrical system. I don't quite know exactly what this was supposed to be because it it to me it looks like someone tossed chemicals on the car. Yeah, for sure. Um, but the point is the car is fried. It's no longer <laughs> useful to him. No. Uh, so he gets a rental car, uh, which Alex pursues him once he gets a hold of it. Obviously, um, and we get the sequence where uh, we're cross-cutting back and forth between the two of them in their in their cars, apart from each other, but having some sort of like 
psychic connection almost where he opens the package that was given to him at the office and it's a cassette tape from Alex. So he starts playing it in his blaupunkt, probably, uh, in his uh, in his stereo. Um, and uh, this is madness in audio form, honestly. This is a little unsettling, but the cross-cutting back and forth between the two of them driving while he's listening to this tape is very effective because we, we see she has tears in her eyes and we see him, he's just like, oh, I, I got it. Oh, my God, I got to kill her. Oh, my, oh my God, God, I got to kill her. I have her. to kill this person. <laughs> uh, this is, now, I'm wondering, are we kind of tiptoeing? Like, is it going to come out to his wife? Because he has this tape, and he doesn't burn it immediately. He doesn't throw it out the window. Uh, he listens to it all the way home, and then he takes it inside, goes up to his den, and starts listening to it with the headphones on like you think his wife is going to end up finding it or something she never does he just has this tape uh, but she does scare the shit out of him while he's up there which is pretty funny um but I'm like, yeah Dude, you that need was it. pretty funny oh I'd, I'd just like to point out like uh another thing that maybe would have made the movie a little bit more high energy a little more tense because it needs to be said this movie does have a uh slightly irritating pattern of showing him with his family just farting around doing kind of nothing mm-hmm. and then glenn close pops back into the movie and it gets infinitely more interesting mm-hmm. um it's like it's like zorg you know you gotta you gotta knock over that glass so you get this wonderful show of cleaning up said glass in the form of robots and little alien critters that come out of your desk to attend to the broken glass <laughs> but um uh hang on uh, more in- more interesting so there you go. There's your Precisely. Story. Yeah. Um, potentially something that would have made the film maybe a little bit more tense or more depthful would be a, what if Dan actually is like kind of in love with her? Because that like this is an opportunity to explore that where it's like, why is he listening to this tape? Like he heard, we, the audience heard more than enough. Like there's nothing to be gained from listening to this. Like she's he gets to the point in the tape where it's descended into her just calling him names like she's just spewing venom at him and she's no longer wistful and saying like i wish we were together and stuff she's just straight up tearing him apart verbally yeah yeah she's not like a succubus tearing his life apart she's a fucking rabid squirrel that's not leaving him alone so <laughs> she's the cat came back the very next day <laughs> he thought she was a goner but the cat came back the very next day He's got like she just keeps coming back, so she's just a nuisance. Uh, so this would be different if he was like banging out of his weight class kind of thing. It was just like this is like he the woman that he cheated on his wife with was way better look like light years better looking. That would be a more interesting take, or a di- that would be a different take uh, where that would it's make not more even sense. That it, it's like this is madness. She mm-hmm. is totally messed up in the brain. But I still have this feeling of attachment anyway. In your desperation, like love, in your desperation, uh, you were you went to a man they you didn't quite understand. <laughs> Everything comes back to the Joker. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, yeah. Anyway, it was just a thought because no, it's no. like, why is he? Why in his home? Why is he listening to this tape with his wife just downstairs? Yeah, no, she's she's pitching 
uh, pitching tangerines the size of ruby, uh, the size of tangerines uh, out into the water. Um, yeah, it, 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 maybe it's cathartic. Like maybe he's trying to subconsciously get caught. Like he he's trying to release this stress somehow. Like this is the one thing could he be. could kind of, and he's just kind of tiptoeing that line of maybe I'll get caught doing this. He doesn't realize what he's doing, but I don't I don't know if the director is putting that well, in here. Actually, but it's possible. That is, that is some that is something, Kyle, because like, you know, exhibitionism is one of those things that like it's a taboo. It's something that some people are into mm-hmm. um and there's that bit like in the elevator when they mm-hmm. almost get caught oh they're you know maybe maybe towing the line is exciting in a way that the movie doesn't exactly spell out to us but it's maybe somewhat implied that like there is some thrill in him constantly being on edge mm-hmm. it's being so, it's so close to it being found out kind of thing yeah yeah because those those the visual language of like those camera push-ins when he when the phone call happens at the house and the wife picks it up and he's like sitting up mm. in his seat it's like you know fear fear and arousal are sometimes <laughs> closely married it's shaking like a shitting dog um <laughs> uh yeah so dude now it's now it's starting to get real um it's time to we, call the cops yeah uh so he goes to the police and the cops like yeah there's nothing we can do and there's just absolutely nothing we can do um Go to visit the in-laws with the folks, and his daughter's learning some magic tricks. I guess that's kind of her thing. She's learned some. She's too young for this. Um, but again, like these these scenes are boring with the family. But it's just to reiterate, like he loves his family. He really just made a mistake. You're still supposed to feel really bad, and he's a seems like a pretty good father. Yeah. I, 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 the reason why I said we should talk about Dan like a half hour ago is because when I was watching this movie, I was like, I don't think the girlfriend would be able to watch this movie and be okay with Dan. Like, no. I think the whole time she'd just be like, no, he sucks. Like, fuck that guy. <laughs> like, like, why does he get to be happy? <laughs> well, he's what we call fucking around and finding out. Um, well, it's because he's a, he's a, you know, white suburban dad in, in a 80s movie. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Reagan's Everything America. will be okay. <laughs> uh, so we get back home, and uh, this was interesting. I'm like, you know what's you know what's coming. You know that this rabbit's not going to make it. But we get home. Beth goes inside the house, and she's just like, "Here's a noise in the kitchen," and she looks around, and there's a pot boiling, which is very alarming because the only people that you would allow to go into your house to cook something are the people you just left your in-law your, your parents basically uh yeah so going there wouldn't you know it right when the little girl goes to see her little pet rabbit pet rabbit is dead uh in the pot boiling uh funny it's a, kind of a funny dead rabbit because it's you know not really a dead rabbit uh yeah, it's a stuffed animal in a pot <laughs> Now I'm like now now it's it's time it's time to come clean, and the way this scene plays out, he's just like staring out into the rain. Did you notice the he she goes to tuck in Ellen and did you see the rain hitting the window or the garden hose hitting the window? It's a garden hose. <laughs> it's a garden hose. It's a garden I, hose. I'm like damn I I didn't know that when I was a kid. I'm like oh I want to go I want to go there. That's some awesome rain. It's not rain, motherfucker. Um, but he's just like, honey, I gotta, I gotta tell you something. And he takes a while and I'm sitting there and I'm just like, <laughs> I'm just waiting for him. <laughs> like, get it out. 
he's just like, I know who killed the bunny rabbit. Uh, it's that lady that was in our apartment. I fucked her. This uh, actually, this is actually specifics are important here because oh, this is another it. thing. This is another thing that the girl. Oh, you motherfucker! Can... Give me a oh. second. Okay, just... I'm gonna go take a piss then. <laughs> oh, that's what she just did. That's what just happened. That's, that's... what just happened. So uh, the specifics of this uh, quote confession are are fascinating to me um, mm-hmm. because again, in 2022, I think uh, this would be evaluated by the audience differently regardless of how the film presented it so he prefaces things with honey we've got to talk and they do that and he's speaking he's talking around the subject he's and uh he never actually he confirms that he did it he never actually says it though his wife has to jump to the conclusion for him like she has to she has to verbalize it and then he merely confirms it like he's he mentions Alex, and he's like, I, "I know who killed the bunny. I know who's doing all of this. Who's making the calls and stuff." It's the it's that girl who was at the apartment the other day, and then the you know his wife's not fucking stupid. She puts it together, and she's like, "Are you having an affair?" And he just, he's just like, "Correct, <laughs> basically." <Yes>. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and she's just like. Do you love her? He's like, I don't love her. It was one night. I'm like, motherfucker. Okay, fine. One night. We'll give you details, motherfucker. Like, yeah. not that was not one night. <laughs> like, that was a night and change at the very least. That that was that was a whole lot of fucking spread out over considerably more than one night. Yeah. Um. But she really flips her shit when he mentions that Alex is pregnant. Yeah, so she was handling it really well. I was like, she was, yeah, yeah. But then you throw another child in there. I'm like, yeah, yeah. She flips a fucking switch. <laughs> I, I don't even think she, it's a, it's like a, it's like one stream of consciousness. Get the fuck out of here, motherfucker! I fucking hate you. Get out of here. Yeah, some it's, slaps. It's just there's there's slaps. There's jittery movements. Like she she is in a she's in a state, <laughs> um, and. Uh, the the really the real kicker though is that uh, Ellen the little girl their six year old daughter is yeah. in the room and sees it happening it's like you hate to see that because the kid is doing some of that quality kid acting shit and it's just like oh man that that yeah, she, sucks she is adorable and her little crying here just gets you it's just like, yeah oh, it's so sad it, it's one of those things that's like it's it's really small but like I don't care who you are unless you're completely heartless this this does hurt like this doesn't feel good to see uh yeah then uh and then i think either alex calls or maybe uh, sam calls alex yeah i think he he calls calls her her. (laughs) he's like hey you knock this shit off now and she's like i'm not gonna stop he's like i told my wife she's like you don't have the guts and he's like all right come talk to like he like waves his wife over here come talk to her and his wife's just like, if you come near my family again, I'll fucking kill you. I'm like, okay, that's double death threats. And like, yeah, I don't <laughs> think she, I don't think she planned for this. I don't think this was part of her, uh, part of her scheme here was to have this happen. I mean, you know, say what you mean. Uh, and uh, they both, they both, both of them, like you said, both of them have threatened to kill this woman. And uh, you know, we'll, we'll get there when we get there. But um, mm. yeah, uh, we we continue to try to live our lives after this horrible incident and uh he's kind of kicked out of the house uh, for the time being 
uh, understandably so. Um, but he has this long phone call with his daughter Ellen, and it's very sweet. Um, but you can tell that like daughter is having to play middleman between the parents at this point. They're they are not mm-hmm. speaking to each other except for answering the phone. And I don't even think they're doing that because the kid answers doors and an- presumably answers phones as well. Um, and then uh, wifey uh, discovers that the daughter has been abducted from school uh, because Dude, everybody the at inc- the school, yeah. The incompetence of this school. I think as a parent, you're legally allowed to suck a couple of these teachers in the face for letting your kid... They don't even say, like, how she gets her. She's just like, oh, I'm here to pick... Did you forget something? She's like, yeah, I'm here to pick up Ellen. I'm like, uh, she's gone. No, she's not here. And she's just like, what? She's like, yeah, she was picked up already. But they don't say... We saw you come get her. It was your hair like she was wearing a wig or something. And they didn't say your sister came to pick her up or something like that, which might have been an excuse in the 80s. But it's it's so insane that this is a, something that could happen. Because <laughs> now, good fucking luck <laughs> trying to abduct a, abduct a kid from a school. It You can't do it. Yeah. Uh, if only Detective John Kimball worked at this particular school. But he's on the other mm-hmm. coast. Uh, no. he, he's active in Oregon, <laughs> not New York. <laughs> he's, he's, a, he's in the PNW. He, yeah, he's not working over here. Uh, so we are cross-cutting back and forth um, because Mom is f- understandably a little freaked out um, because she keeps asking around the school, is like, anybody seen my kid? And they're all like, we thought you picked her up. And it's like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> also, no... No fire lit on these teachers' asses. Like, you have fucked up. You have fucked up bad. And they're just like, huh, what's going on? There's a kid missing? Huh, what? There would be lockdown meltdown, dude. This is, yeah, unacceptable. Well, I mean, I I was born in 87, but, like, I've, I've heard stories that the 70s and the 80s and child abductions were kind of commonplace. Like, it was kind of in I was, the air. Full disclosure: I was almost abducted uh, in front of our in front of our house. That's a story I can tell you off air, but it it did almost happen. Yeah, for sure. No, I I do know that that was a thing. Um, so maybe this is exactly why it was a thing, and hopefully, you know, we we have made corrections since then. But um, actually, I'll, I'll tell you the story because it's kind of funny. We were okay. out in the front. We were out in the front yard with our next door neighbors. It was me, Nick, and then our, our two next door neighbors, brother and sister. And we were on the yard close to the sidewalk, and this guy pulled up in a truck, and he's just like, opens up his door, and he's just like, hey, I, uh, I, I lost a puppy over here. Uh, have you guys seen it? And I'm the one closest to the road. Everybody else is kind of further back. And uh, because a kindergarten cop, I was just like, like I wasn't going to get into his truck, but I was just like, this is, I knew this something was wrong, but I was close enough that he could have grabbed me. If I'd gotten a little cl- like just a little bit closer, and I hear Nick go, "Run, Kyle! It's a stranger!" <laughs> and <laughs> he took off running back to the house, and uh, I took off running too. We all ran off running. The dude drove off, but my Nick got into the house before me, and because he's a, he's a little bit younger, he was in like a manic state. He goes, "Mom, Kyle just got into the truck with a stranger." <laughs> my mom fucking slammed him against like boom knocked him out of the way and ran outside in a panic uh it, thank, uh, shout out 
shout out to Nick for uh, for saving me. I, I still I wasn't gonna get into the truck, but I was close enough that he he probably could have snatched me. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> Thank shout you out for to, shout out to Nick. Yeah, yeah, he saved your ass, but I was half expecting him to lock the door behind himself. <laughs> Oof. Ah, shit. Oof. Uh, but yeah, we are cross-cutting back and forth between uh, Alex, uh, who we are, it's confirmed Alex was the one who took uh, little Ellen uh, at a carnival, uh, and Mom yeah. uh, driving around uh, French Connection style uh, around the neighborhood trying to find her daughter, and she is just... I mean, she's doing some Popeye Doyle she, shit. She's driving like a, a mad person, and uh, she is not having any luck. She should not be driving in no, the state. Absolutely not. Like she, this is dangerous driving. Um, um, and uh, the Ellen and uh, Alex are on this roller coaster, and then everything comes to a head when uh, Mom fails to hit the brakes fast enough, and uh, she rear ends a station wagon. I like. I like the choice of having her get on a roller coaster with her it's really interesting it's like is she trying to traumatize this kid because this this girl is young and i don't think she's old enough to be on this roller coaster maybe it was different in the 80s they didn't have the height requirement not enough kids had fallen out uh but she seems a little small for this and she's not doesn't seem like she's super enjoying it like it's no she's kind of she's, in, she's having fun like she's making faces and like going i ah. say so when i was watching it it looked like she wasn't completely sold on it but i wasn't sure if she was trying to scare her a little bit or if she's just trying to bond with her um but yeah. all i the only thing i read into it like i didn't get anything from like a character standpoint the only reason i think this is here is just to match the energy between the cuts mm-hmm. it's like yeah. we're on we're on propulsion we're, we're we're accelerating the movement of the of both parties at the same time where it's like both parties are moving very fast um, but I thought Ellen was actually having a great time. Um, okay. And whenever we cut to the mom, it's kind of like the the inverse of when we saw Alex listening to opera in the dark by herself. Like it's like, oh, like one person's really not having a good time, and then the other party's like seemingly having a pretty delightful time. Um, but yeah, uh, Alex casually drops Ellen off at the house and mm-hmm. uh, asks for a kiss goodbye, even, and Ellen gives it. So it's like. I guess on the whole, okay. it was a good outing. Um, but we go to the hospital, and uh, uh, wifey is all right. She's not dead. Like she's just yeah. injured, she's banged um, up. Yeah, she's a little, she's a little rattled. She's all right though. No serious breaks, uh, except for maybe her arm or something. But um, Dan uh, goes to pay Alex a visit. Uh, holy yeah. shit <laughs> i think i have my third you gotta kill her dude i mean if there was now like you have an obligation to, to kill her um and i'm like this is where i saw the meat hooks i'm like those meat hooks are just asking they're just asking for it they want you to throw someone on there uh yeah dude he fucking uh he i think he comes peacefully i think she lets him in or no 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 uh, he waits for people to leave, and he makes his way up there, and he goes... <laughs> he goes full durs and just busts through this door. Okay, bud. It's a good thing we have crime shows now, uh, because this guy has made a lot of mistakes. One, he's already talked to the police about uh, <laughs> once about this person. Now he has kicked in... There's a disturbance. Now we have a disturbance. He's kicked in the door, laid hands on her. He's about to choke her, 
leaving leaving prints all on her neck. So it's like, dude, if you end up if you end up killing this person, like you're gonna be prime suspect. You're gonna be number one person that they're gonna look at. Like you've made a lot of mistakes here, dude. Amateur. Oh, yeah. This this is some am- amateur hour bullshit. But this is this is not quite a scuffle. This is considerably more than that. This is some straight up roughhousing. <laughs> yeah. The uh, the crawling is it was like surprising. I wasn't expecting that, and I'm like, that's effective. Like it's very, it's heat. They they fight like they fuck. It is it is animalistic it's pretty no, I, i'm telling you that the choreography and the cinematography it, this guy knows he knows his way around fucking filmmaking because the energy here is <laughs> pun is, intended is, <laughs> <laughs> fucking filmmaking fucking <laughs> filmmaking uh really uh some really great filmmaking here because uh, this really has like an energy and an intensity to it that you really buy into um and it, it is surprising um, this is not your standard like punch up. It's like whoa, shit! This that that escalated quickly, um, but eventually he gets the better of it, and he lays both hands on her throat, and he is choking her. And we get this lovely POV shot from her perspective of him looking like a crazed madman. Um, and you know it's Michael Douglas, and you know he fights the way he fucks. His hair got all messed. Yeah. <laughs> um, all messed and, up. Uh, and there's this light fixture swaying over his head back and forth, and, and he, he looks like a monster. Um, and he eventually, I guess, comes to his senses. He probably should have just followed through, buddy. Like, if you're going to get if you're gonna get there, just fucking... Just, all I have to do is squeeze, in the words of Indiana you, Jones. <laughs> yeah. You crossed a line here, buddy. You, you might as well commit at this point. Uh, honestly. Uh, <laughs> like, really, you're already there. Just... just this, fucking do it. <laughs> I mean, you got a strong case for attempted murder at this point. If she goes to the cops immediately, like, yeah. But you know what? He's a lawyer. He's connected. I don't think he'd do any time. I think he could get off. Uh, but yeah, he. I think he lets off, and then I think she grabs a knife. She goes over to like grab it again. Uh, the sink. She's getting a drink of water. She grabs a knife, and then she comes at him with that. Uh, but he ends up getting it from her. And just is like now he has the upper hand, and he just is like I'm walking away from this. He he sets the knife down. I read on IMDb trivia that Glenn Close. I don't know if it's this knife or it's the knife at the end of the movie or if it's the same one. She has this knife apparently, and it's hanging up in her kitchen. Uh, That's fun. <laughs> I'm like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I love stuff like that. By the way, um, I'm glad you mentioned her drinking from the sink because I wasn't able to parse like put together precisely what it might be meaning but it's kind of a universal thing that it doesn't actually have to mean anything specific because it's so universal to just the human experience water there is Mm -hmm. a considerable amount of water imagery in this film and it does even play into the final act of the movie um i was just curious if you had any specifics that jumped out at you about that no but it's definitely something that i noticed this is one of those it's it's kind of a classic like it's easy to pick motifs one of those kind of films and that's one that i definitely picked up on we have the the use of the sink changes each time these are there in the apartment first time it's uh you know sex bidet uh second time she's he's using it to clean the wounds this time she's you know using it to you know like i guess clear her throat after being choked uh so i wasn't no i wasn't sure what the significance was but i feel like the director was trying to tell us something 
possibly. Like I, like just I said, it doesn't actually have to mean anything specific for no. it to for it to register with you as being important. And you know, like I said about Alex's characterization, sometimes it's the things you don't say that actually make the experience more substantive. Um, hmm. But yeah, this movie has a lot of water imagery. Water can mean so many fucking things. It, you know, gives life, takes life away. Um, mm -hmm. Also, a weird thing. Um, my friend uh, knows a lot about philosophy and stuff, and I guess there's a, a Chinese elemental system for like personality types and whatnot. And water tends to be, you know, water has the characteristic of being able to be many things. It's difficult to read. So it's something that can vacillate back and forth between being serene but also dangerous, depending on the time of day or the mood or whatever. So I would describe that as maybe a watery personality type as far as Glenn Close's character is considered. Um, yeah, one, I just want to say, like, motifs and picking up on motifs in movies is one of my favorite things about films is just picking up that's why on i brought what it up the, <laughs> yeah i'm like that's it, it's just like why is this here why is the director putting it in here and it's just a puzzle it's just a fun puzzle sometimes it means nothing sometimes it's glaring and you just don't realize it other times you're able to pick up on it like oh that is so that is so neat that they did that um yeah it's it's, it's so classy um but yeah so he just puts the knife down backs away slowly like it's a fucking bear and this i feel like this should have been the if i was gonna have a post i, I like to think about sometimes like if i was gonna have a poster uh just for a film it would be her with this smile as he's leaving because it is it is crazy it's crazy because she's crazy <laughs> she's a crazy person <laughs> wait wait you're, you're crazy you're crazy <laughs> i like you but but you're crazy. <laughs> Shit. Uh, yeah, it's it's so calculated. Like it's just this very like you've crossed a line. Now I every time that he tries to get the upper hand, she gets it right back almost immediately. Like he he never he's never washes his hands of it. He's always just stuck in it. Well, so yeah, where I mean, can the, she go from here? The important thing is like he just straight up tried to murder her in her own home with his bare hands. And she has nothing but smiles for it. It's like, you're not going to be rid of this woman ever. <laughs> like, you've done this everything that can be done. This is Jesus. Um, but yeah, I love that, that dolly shot of, of just her looking at him as he's pulling away from her. And he's he is not taking his eyes off her. Like like Kyle had said, it's like, like you would step away from a bear <laughs> seriously um, also another motif important to point out uh, a lot like her her home her dwelling and also a lot of her attire in the the majority of the second half of the film white she's wearing a lot of white which is often mm -hmm. you know considered purity and like white hat black hat like it's like why is this character who's nothing but a menace to everybody around her why is she <laughs> the one wearing the white <laughs> I learned I learned something new yesterday. I was told that the term mad mad as a hatter came from uh, dudes who used to make hats would use mercury to yep. to do some kind of lining so it would seep into their seep into them and they would end up going crazy. I'm like, oh, that's kind of neat. Mad as a hatter. Yeah, my brother uh, taught me that one when I was when I was a little kid. It's a fun one. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, but yeah, so he goes to the cops again. These same, like, it's kind of like the cops in Big Lebowski. It's just like, this is a quiet beach town, dude. Like, you're out in the country. This isn't New York City. Like, I don't want to do any fucking work. Uh, this guy's like, well, well, he's like, I get that you're having issues with this person. I did, like, I forgot to mention when the first encounter with this cop, he's just like, well, you could tell your friend that if you're going to make a big deal out of this, everybody's going to find out about what's going on and he's just like kind of telling them like i don't think you want to go down this road and the guy's like okay we'll send out an apb to new york tell him to pick her up and bring her in for questioning well, what he just, needed to do was call joe don baker <laughs> <laughs> make sure that yeah. wherever you send him doesn't have a piano <laughs> yes yes <laughs> and i'm due for care of <laughs> I am due for a rewatch of that here soon. It's it's been a while. Cape, Cape um, Fear, folks. We we did yes. an episode on. Well, we kind of did a Both twofer. Well, yeah. yeah, like we didn't intend to, but it turned into a twofer. Um. Yeah. So I was like, dude, she kidnapped your kid. You tried to murder her. I think we're past the point of bringing cops into the equation. Uh, I think that's something that uh his that kind of brings up the conversation. She's like, we need to call the cops, and he's like, hang on. Uh, I have to tell you something before we just start pulling the cops into this. Yeah, that is actually um, what prompts it. Is she yeah. she does float that is like we we got to call the cops. Um, but yeah, so we get this we get the scene. Basically, we're we're getting to the end here. Um, and he's they're back home, and he's tucking, uh, he's tucking sweet little Ellen in the bed. I'm like, no, 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 no. She sleeps in the bed. She sleeps in between us. And yeah, that that's where she lives for the next two years. Is she sleeps in between us until I know that this woman is dead. No, get <laughs> because... that kid a fucking leash. Like, <laughs> yes, that kid. Ne- there was no way that they would let her leave her, their sight. She would be everywhere with them. Uh, the New York, the so the, I guess maybe it was a call with the New York cops. Are like, yeah, dude, we can't find her. Like, we have no idea. She's not in her apartment. She's she's gone. Uh, he's on the phone. Yeah, he's in the on the phone with the cops, and we get just like a little, just a quick little. Uh, look that he's got a gun in the nightstand uh, and we got a bath we got a bath brewing for uh, Beth and dude I've lived in a lot of apartments and the last couple I've lived in have had the shittiest water pressure I'm talking just absolute garbage just infuriating my wife where she's at has it's phenomenal water pressure I look forward to that shower I can't wait the one I've got here is okay but the the just the syrupy water flowing out of this bathtub i'm like oh god that looks like there's some good water pressure in that place this looks like a good bathtub (laughs) (laughs) it's old too but it's like old and sturdy kind of bathtub which is like yeah it looks like good stuff this looks like a good bath yeah this looks like a a tub that i i had at a bed and breakfast uh when i went to a wedding the like a few years back uh, it's know, very old timey, very rustic, very nice. A B and B, Cannon Beach Hotel. Uh, it's a B and B in Cannon Beach, Oregon. Best shower I've ever been in my entire life. Go check it out. I'm there. It's a, I, yeah, I'm doing it. <laughs> do it. It's we a good. Talk, it's a good we day. We're talking about that, the girlfriend and I. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good. You, you can go see the Goonie stuff. You can see the the Goonie Rock, uh, and a story. A story is nearby. Great Astoria. place. Great place. <laughs> Go check it out here. This is the best time of year to go do it, too. A little November weekend trip. It's close enough. Yeah, it should be fun. Um, Yeah, I was really hung up on this bath for a while. I was just staring at it like it was fucking uh, 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 Errol Flynn. uh, 
this whole sequence is kind of mesmerizing. Like, like it's, it's like Hitchcockian tension building. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's really cool. Where the, it's we're basically just showing this domestic scene where it's night. We just had a really violent struggle with the villain. We'll quote villain of the movie. Something's gonna happen. We just don't know when. We we forgot to bring up something, and I wanted to ask you about it. Uh, when she follows him back to the house for the first time, she's like in the yard looking into the yeah. uh, looking into the house, and she ends up puking. She like yeah, goes she over retches, to puke. Yeah, yeah. It was just it was a really interesting thing. Uh, just an interesting thing for her character. It was. I don't know what she was puking at, but uh, so yeah. Only two interpretations come to mind. One is the sight of him happy with other people, in particular with another child. I uh, disgusted her, like made her feel unloved and unappreciated. Two, morning sickness or some <laughs> shit. You know, maybe. That, those were the two thoughts that I had. I was like, those were what I kind of had in mind. It was just kind of an interesting shot they threw in there. It wasn't really necessary, but um, yeah. But the the thing is, is that this this tension's building because we know that she knows where they live. Yes, we don't know where she's at. This bath is getting steamier and steamier, and we know that she's probably pissed off because she's been pissed off the whole time before there was attempted murder. So yes, this is really good tension building. Yeah, so we're cutting back and forth between Dan downstairs watching TV and he's on the phone or something and he learns that the cops can't find Alex um, and the wife is upstairs uh, taking a shower or getting ready to take a bath. She's drawing a bath, uh, which is what classy people do, not me. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, <laughs> Dan puts on some tea for his wife, which serves as a, a wonderful uh serve up to to whenever uh, the tension finally snaps and we get an explosion um and anyway uh the wife wipes the mirror uh because it has condensation built up on it and uh, alex is in the doorway standing behind her and alex has the same kitchen knife that she brandished against dan earlier and uh, alex starts stepping towards her and she's still in her white gown and she's she's like why are you here yeah like why are like, you here it's it's like the craziest thing she could say at this point it's just like well i live here but i'm not going to tell you that because i don't think it matters at this point uh yeah so yeah we're, we're cutting back and forth between dan's down there eating a fucking fruit roll-up i think uh he's got the big fire blazing teas going um, I'm picturing it with the fruit roll up like oh look it punches out to be a star <laughs> yeah he like a psychopath he just rips off half of it and throws the other half down and eats it I'm like dude you're gonna eat that whole fruit roll up don't act like you're not gonna it's like a that capri sun it, it goes down in one gulp man <laughs> dude they need to make them bigger why are those not in 24 ounce cans we i would buy them uh that's a summer treat that steph and i get as uh, uh, we get the capri suns um yeah she's like knocking this knife against her leg as she's walking up and like uh beth is noticing it she's just like okay this woman is severely damaged like there's something really wrong with her uh this sequence here she ends up attacking her basically the so the tub begins overflowing and it's starting to kind of drip on the ceiling downstairs. And uh, the dog... Fucking the lads, dog. dude. The dog notices the, it first. 
I have a border collie lab mix. I'm like, that is so what Rue would do. If there's just like, oh, there's moisture on the ground. See what this is all about. I'm just going to lick that. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> but she ends up like slicing her up. And I think he goes to pull the kettle off because it's like it's like just singing downstairs and right as he turns it off he like fuck it it scares the shit out of him because he hears the commotion upstairs no that's that's some of that good filmmaking shit that's fun editing where Mm -hmm. it's like of course the tea kettle starts whistling the second his wife starts getting slashed up it's 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 really cool to have all these things collide all at once it's a nice little explosion Mm -hmm. of action and violence um but yeah uh it, there's a, a legit moment of tension where it's like, is this wife going to get killed right here? Because, like, Alex is just going nuts with this knife. Like, she's just swinging. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we didn't have the the uh, prosthetics and the uh, makeup effects that we had in Green Room. But I'm like, I feel like that's the kind of damage she's doing here. Is uh, she's, really, she's really fucking going to town on her. Um, but then we have our our final fight. And again, it is, it is rough. This uh, was the bumps it looks like somebody took some bumps in this one yeah yes the these actors took some serious bumps uh rendering this little confrontation here kyle do you happen to have the jack torrance scream queued up uh yes i do trevor thank you very much for asking uh do you need it right now absolutely i think it's very appropriate so dan runs in there and he's all like Ah! (laughs) (laughs) as soon as dan gets up the stairs and gets in that doorway just whoosh <laughs> like like and just like a freight train and she's like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's just two it is two banshees just it's a this just is a battle royale this is king kong versus godzilla this is kane yeah. versus the undertaker <laughs> this is the rock versus vin diesel in one of those fast and the furious movies that i didn't watch but i watched that scene where they fight yeah <laughs> yeah it, it is true two monster truck human beings slamming into each other <laughs> repeatedly <laughs> in a bathroom yeah uh, it's it's delightful uh, i mean no it's actually really violent and legitimately like tense because you're you're, mm-hmm. you're still not quite sure how this movie's gonna conclude um, but yeah, Dan runs in there and he puts fucking Alex like one hand to choke hold, bashes the back of her head against this, the fucking mirror. <laughs> this is angry dad strength. Now there's dad strength and then there's angry dad strength. This is angry dad strength. You've crossed a line. This is like Popeye eating spinach strength. Like you can't fuck with this. This is yeah. this is a juggernaut. As as my dad would say, this is put that balloon down. You'll poke your eye out. Strength. Where it's like, don't fucking touch that! <laughs> yeah. Where it's like, I know dad just threw you across the room, but it's because he was worried for your safety. <laughs> trust, yes. yeah, trust me, the bump you took just then was probably better than the one you were about to take, because you were probably just about to legitimately blow your own fucking face off. Yeah, when you're about to put your hands on a live wire, and your dad comes up and kicks you out of the way. Yeah, yeah and I just feel throws, that. You, throws you over the hood of the car. <laughs> What the fuck are you doing? What are you doing? Don't touch that. Yeah. I mean, that is standard um, That is standard operating procedure for any father. What the fuck were you thinking? <laughs> uh, yeah, so he... Uh, luckily, we have this bath here. She's got the knife, by the way, but she's just like... It's just like a... Just wiggling. <laughs> uh, she's not doing anything with it. I'm like, you know, you've got the knife. You could probably stab him with she, it. She does get a couple of slices in on him. Slices. It, like, not not you, much. It's just like a couple of slashes in his like forearm and his shoulder. But uh, he kicks her. La- 
<laughs> this is not a laceration situation, Trevor. This is a full-blown puncture. We need to be... Yeah, you need some stabbings. Yeah. Yes. Um, but he does kick her through the shower oh. curtain. I kind of love that. <laughs> She's got a knife, just the Joker. <laughs> All of her dress oh. pockets were filled with knives and lint. <laughs> not the, no idea. <laughs> She doesn't have. She doesn't have a, a, the, the name. That's not her real name. Alex. Yeah. Yeah. Alex. Whatever. Forced. Yeah. It's yeah. not her real name. We don't know. How'd she oh. get those scars, Kyle? <laughs> How'd she get oh. those scars? I'm the world's greatest detective. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Any excuse. Any excuse. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, but yeah. Dan springs into action. He wrestles her. He wrestles Alex into the tub, which, as we'd seen earlier, by the way all of like every shot leading up to this confrontation is nothing but water imagery it's like it's raining outside we have a tea kettle whistling we have a a bath being drawn we have condensation on the mirror anyway the bathtub is full alex gets dunked into it and dan just drowns her Uh, he just keeps her down there this time he's not letting go um, and I love the chicken eyes effect they put on her. They get, they yeah. put uh, blank contact lenses on her when she's in the tub. So she's doing that Undertaker shit with her eyes rolled back in her head. It's pretty grisly. <laughs> I I think we're gonna have to do a uh, we're gonna have to do a Glenn Close month because I'd like to watch some more of her films. Oh, I'd love um, that. Yeah, I think we should do that. Yeah, I'm uh, game for yeah. that. Uh, but yeah, she she ends up dying. Uh, but then, uh oh, the last second. Your ass better call somebody! Right when you think she's dead, ladies and gentlemen, she pops out of that fucking uh, bathtub, but immediately is shot in the chest by Beth, who knew about that gun. Yeah, she pops up and she's all, Oh, you didn't know! (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, she she promptly gets shot square in the chest. Um, It is, you know, it's kind kind of like, you know scream would would educate us like all of us youngins at the time where it's like don't you know like every time you think the killer's dead they gotta pop up for one last scare it's like sure enough here here's a a, an actual example of it in mainstream american cinema it's a good one though because we do we do kind of not like i didn't quite expect it like when when you think about it in retrospect it's like you know they did show that gun and it's literally the rule is literally Chekhov's gun like <laughs> well that's just, that should just kind of tell you how good this movie is because if they can pull the wool over our eyes or get us to forget something like that that's pretty impressive I'm not, I'm not saying that we you and I are refined and eloquent in our movie movie viewing but like this is from 1987 you and I can kind of pick up where this is going to go but if we forgot about it like oh damn good job yeah, I mean, I'm sure your wife wouldn't have forgotten about that. Like you no, said, she has, no. she has an eye for details like that. But like, what that demonstrates is that I was invested enough that I, I did actually forget about the gun uh, for mm-hmm. just a second. But yeah, uh, Alex pops up for one last scare, gets blasted in the chest, and she's she is well and truly dead now. Um, <laughs> she truly. <laughs> <laughs> you got to kill her twice. <laughs> Um, yes, but yeah, uh, our film ends with the cops showing up and carting the body off, um, mm-hmm. and then our last shots are husband and wife embracing uh, in their f- living room, in their front room, and uh, then the in a, in the most unsubtle of messages, the the camera pans over and zooms in on a family photo of husband, wife, mm-hmm. and daughter 
all looking happy together and then credits so it's like it's implied you know the family the nuclear family was preserved like in spite of the efforts of that crazy lady that stole his seed <laughs> like the yeah. family survived i i could totally see this movie this like exact same script being adapt being adapted with a very different message and a very different energy by like i don't know the ben shapiro peoples and whatnot <laughs> it's like it's all it's like if not for that lady the that family would have been just fucking fine if she yeah, had tempted be... him yeah uh the blame shifting yeah no he made his bed he should have to sleep in it um the cop but... even says exactly that to him where it's like yeah. you know advice to your buddy it's like made your he made his bed he better fucking be prepared <laughs> to sleep in it <laughs> Yeah, this is in the 60s, motherfucker. Women know they have rights. Uh, know that they can tell you to fuck off now. So this is the 80s. They're not going to put up with this shit. Uh, yeah. yeah. It, it's it's odd to me that the movie ends this way, where it's like, it is, an, it is an ending, but again, from a contemporary standpoint, no, this this would not be a happy ending scenario. The, like, today, the movie would probably... And, like probably end still in the bathroom with like husband and wife just like what the fuck happened to us <laughs> like and with you know a dead body still in the tub and also the character of alex would probably have a lot more dimension a lot more backstory and would more than likely regardless of the intent of the filmmaker end up being looked upon in a very sympathetic light i'm thinking about this movie through the lens of madman like the comment i just made was like 60 like at least from the lens of madman it's just like you got to a certain point in your career this was just something that you did like you could you could just it was kind of just like yeah i made enough money i've given my wife everything that she wants why shouldn't i i'm entitled to this and i'm wondering if that's kind of the the lens that we're supposed to like we're kind of supposed to view him from because he feel it, it there is kind of like a sense of entitlement to this character where he's just like i'm going to do this and I don't have to feel bad about it because I'm a good husband and a provider. Um, and the movie's kind of just like, no, we're not doing that anymore. We're we're trying to keep a good, happy family unit now. Uh, you really got to watch Mad Men. <laughs> you, you I, I do. You, you, you've told me so many times how great it is. And, and you know, it'd be nice to have a show. Again, again though, the, the girlfriend, she really likes to like her characters. And I don't think she could like Don Dude. <laughs> Uh, I don't like Don Draper, uh, but he's our reluctant. He's our reluctant hero. But no, there are so many characters that you can latch on to. My favorite, I'll, I'll be on my favorite character is Peggy, and I think she has the best story arc. Uh, that that's uh, Elizabeth Moss, no, not Olsen. Moss. Thank you. I wanted to say Olsen. Uh, Moss. Um, yeah. No. There's there's plenty of things that are going to be infuriating. There's going to be very upsetting episodes. Um, but it's not the kind of upsetting where you have to walk away from the show. I think that there's there's plenty for everybody. Uh, I think you would lo- I think you would really like it from a writing standpoint, especially. I think you would really appreciate. I know it. I would. Like I, I yeah. can tell you right now, without having even seen it, it, I probably would like it a lot. And it's one of those. It's a show that it really is like. There are just certain things my wife and I do not watch together because it's like one of us is going to hate it. That was one that we were able to engage in together and be like, oh, this is actually something that we can... Because it sparks conversations, too. Like, it's it's really a, a really well-made show. Okay, Enough I'll, about I'll, Mad Sorry. I'll, I'll, I'll float it by the girlfriend. But yeah, um, I'm not prepared to get into it, especially considering how much we had fun just talking about this movie. But um, I'd be really curious, like, 
if you're to approach this film like with with the mind and the perspective of a sociologist um like what what the it, what the themes and what what the character arcs in this like what what they would mean to a contemporary mm-hmm. audience or if they or if they would be acceptable because I, I really don't think this movie works today i think it's a good film I, I really did enjoy it quite a lot but there's certain things in it that i don't i don't think young people in particular would would be okay with yeah different time different time for sure yeah. um but uh, it doesn't stop it from being a very enjoyable film if you ask me yeah. I, I thought it was a lot of fun and i'm really looking forward to checking out some of the other ones this month yeah i bet you are uh i think next week <laughs> is uh, as a uh, basic instinct looking forward to that one Whew. i am too i i have not seen that movie in a good long while but uh it's a doozy um oh, and it's, yeah. fr- it's from my boy paul verhoeven a dutch filmmaker uh who brings a truly unique perspective um to his american films in particular where it's like it's always interesting to see a like American culture as represented by people who are not themselves American, because it always, it always has a slight, slight, like twist to it that you you don't quite get out of you know your standard American filmmakers. And Paul Verhoeven is a, he is a unique filmmaker, and he is he is a gift to the world of cinema. <laughs> I love the I love the man. He's a he is a wonderful uh, interview. Like I don't know if you've ever seen him in interviews, but he is delightful. Uh, he has such an incredible energy and he's very he's very like effortlessly funny um and if memory serves i could be wrong but i want to say that like basic instinct is almost like a little bit of a parody of this particular genre to some extent like it like it's overblown in certain areas to as to suggest that it's it's winking at you a little bit in some way Mm. i could be wrong on that but I, i seem to remember feeling that just a little bit but yeah, uh, we'll we'll get to see uh, Michael Douglas's butt, if not his dong, uh, next week as well. Uh, so look forward to that, dear listener. Um, but in the meantime, this has been our first uh, episode of No Nut November. Um, mm-hmm, look forward mm-hmm. to more erotic thrillers as the month uh, goes on. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, please uh, check us out on uh, catchinguponcinema.com. You can find us. You can find all of our episodes collected on the website there. Uh, you can also find us on the social medias on the Instagram at Catching Up on Cinema, uh, as well as the Twitter at Catching Cinema. So feel free to hit me up at either of those. Uh, and the podcast is available on pretty much every podcasting platform you can imagine, including Bitcade. So fucking Google it. Mm-hmm. And that being said, thank you so much for listening. Uh, please like, share, and subscribe, all that shit. And uh, we will mm-hmm. most assuredly catch you next time. The cat came back, they thought he was a goner, but the cat came back, he just 